welcome to the searchers and we'll, we'll just say that for the first time it's still kind of new and awkward but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll get used to it eventually hopefully um but yeah rolls off the tongue really yeah. well we, it's appropriate we're doing the new name with the exactly. with the western boom right now yeah i like that so uh before I we like it too yeah before we uh we get into that we were chris and i were just talking about thanksgiving kevin was yours uh as uh busy as mine or was it low-key like chris's well you know i mean i flew out of state my second thanksgiving away from home and uh luckily i spent it with a friend so it worked out but it was busy uh it was a busy time uh i spent it in raleigh um and it was a really actually quite a it was a pretty quiet environment there uh but uh, once we got into the hotel we went to the bar and you know it was all then it was like you know okay now it feels like a little party here but uh but yeah it was a uh, for the most part it was a real it was actually pretty relaxing actually pretty relaxing generally nice. you know with family it's, it's usually rowdy and and everything which i don't mind but this time you know it was oddly relaxing despite you know having to fly around so much and once i got to the layover it was yeah it was great it was really nice it's really nice i made some That's pasta cool. i didn't really i didn't have a huge thanksgiving dinner with uh turkey and mashed potatoes and the uh, classic stuffing as i'm sure you guys have but no yes. it was uh yeah <laughs> three of those it was still a really nice thanksgiving yeah three of those right um, i'm good but it was still a, a really nice thanksgiving <laughs> good but yeah it's still full nah yeah, I got it out of my system, but we had we had the leftovers, and after I ate those the day after, I'm like, all right, I'm done. But, I'm, <laughs> but what are your uh, favorite sides? Favorite side, guys. What's your favorite, favorite side? Sides, mashed potatoes, Ooh, man. Boy. Come on, yeah, mashed potatoes and the gravies, I would kill for. Yeah, really. My dad, yeah, my dad's my dad's gravy he makes from the turkey like grease is insanely good because you, you know, put the oh, really? flour in there and let it simmer for like another hour after the turkey's sitting it's pretty damn good that's awesome <laughs> um what about yeah. you what about you chris favorite side uh favorite side. it's a toss-up between homemade cranberry sauce or uh we do we do rutabaga which is like turnip we do a side of tur Ooh. mashed turnips so i like those are probably my two favorite yeah nice wow. yeah pumpkin and pumpkin pie or apple pie i love both Pumpkin, <laughs> pumpkin. Uh, for Thanksgiving. You're a pumpkin it's, guy. Yeah, I think I got to go with pumpkin for Thanksgiving. Also, yeah. Ooh. Okay, yeah. okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. To, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge sucker for apple pie. I mean, I like apple I like pie. pumpkin pie too, but apple pie is my my total go to. I think I get that from my dad. So yeah, if you, we, if you ask we me, will kill for apple pie. Yeah, if you asked me that a few years ago, I think I would have said apple pie, like no restraint. But uh -huh. as past few years have gone by i've i've gone really fond of pu pumpkin uh, really okay. fond of it not All sure right. why not sure <laughs> why uh speaking of pumpkin yeah. i mean just to uh, just to you know in relation to this topic i'm kind of a this might sound very basic but you know when it i'm kind of i'm pretty i'm pretty festive when it comes to you know christmas thanksgiving and you know you, you might make fun of me but look i'm kind of a sucker for this for the uh, pumpkin spice latte at starbucks okay don't nice. make fun of me i love oh, that oh okay? you're, ba you're a base you're stuff. one of those basic girls 
I'm a basic white girl. I thought you were going to say basic. Yeah, you got to say basic white girl. It's not It's not enough. Not just a basic girl, a basic white girl, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that's what, you, you can go, even, you can go even, even further and say, you know what, but we won't have to go there. Uh, <laughs> we can say that for next time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I love that stuff, man. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like it. You know, I like, I don't get it too often, but I do like, whenever I go to Duncan, I get, an iced coffee i never get hot coffee um, oh really and, and then yeah and then when i have an iced coffee i either get the mocha or the or the pumpkin spice if it's in season so i'm, Dude, I'm with you there yeah i'm with I you love there mocha yeah. too. Dude, you know yeah. honestly duncan has good coffee actually has really good coffee That's, and i don't think it, i agree don't you agree chris yeah yeah they do have yeah, good yeah. coffee and i would say like I better do. than just the regular coffee at starbucks which i mean like it, it's also a go-to but you know, like going to Dunkin' in the morning, especially when I'm flying out really early, say at like 6 a.m. and I go to Dunkin' for a coffee. It ju- I just feel, I don't know, I, I feel really nice inside. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm not much of a, what you would call a Dunkin' fanboy, though, either. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what I mean by that is um, I, I pretty much just go there just for a nice coffee. Um, oh, I'll really? Not yeah. yeah, I don't get much of the breakfast foods, but like I'll have a donut every now and then. But mm-hmm. if if you if you're talking to me about donuts, Krispy Kreme wins every time. Oh, do you really? Oh, yeah, okay. Absolutely. You're more of the Krispy Kreme kind of guy. I love Krispy Kreme too, but I'm absolutely. also like really supportive of the mom and pop shops for the donuts. Um, oh, for, for, oh, for sure. If if I have a local place, sure, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I have, if, we're, if we're talking chains, I think Krispy Kreme is the mighty donut. But you have to have it. <laughs> you have to have it at the yeah. store, warm off the rack. You do like exactly yeah, yeah. game yeah, changer I mean, that's, that's obviously the best um but i'll, exactly. I'll even take them i'll take them even a day or two later like out me of the too. right out me of the, ga- yeah. right out I'll, of the I'll gas take station cold. i'll, right I'll out take the- like chocolate <laughs> glazed cold like in the fridge cold i'll actually eat all that i mean yeah i haven't had it in a while yeah. but i have a I have a total sweet tooth it's kind of a problem but I'm, you know i'm actually with you there yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. made fun of during uh, during training, during flight attendant training for having a sweet tooth. And they called me the cookie monster because I nabbed all the double treat cookies <laughs> at the hotel. I'm like, I, uh, well, I don't want you to throw it. They're like, Kevin, you want a cookie? I'm like, yeah, I don't want you to throw it away. You're going to throw it away otherwise. Just give it to me then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, waste it. Yeah, it's don't waste cookie. this cookie. Exactly. Yeah. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Throw away all that sugar. Jeez. Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as Chris said, <laughs> <laughs> like, we like talking that about was a good tangent. We like talking about yeah, food. Food is yeah. good. We can keep going on food. We could. Keep All right. going on food, man. Two more hours of food talk. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> as Chris said, we're gonna we're gonna speak about a western today. Um, the Big Country from 1958, directed by William Wyler. Uh, I have a shit ton to say about this, guys. So I'm not gonna I go. Gonna fir- I am not gonna go first. I will let somebody else talk. But well, Ben, I really want you. To, uh, I I know the film is personal to you specifically. So it's like, and no, I think Chris and I would really love to hear what you have to say. But yeah, sure. Well, um, no, I, I could I could do that. But I want to ask people. This is both your first time seeing it, so I want you guys to mm-hmm. give initial impressions for sure. Okay. Yeah, you go first, Chris. Well, uh, so first impression, um, I had heard of the film, but when Ben had suggested it, I, not much came to mind, you know? So I didn't recall immediately who was in it and it was just like, here we go. We're just doing this Western, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. 
I think other other parts of the impression, once I saw the cast, I was like, all right, you know, Bert, seeing Bro Lives on the on the list, I love that. Um, I I've always loved Gregory Peck. Yeah, um, I'm a big Peck. Very guy. stoic. Yeah, yeah, big Peck guy. Um, I'd agree you with you there. Hate Gregory Peck at all? Yeah. I don't think he can. I don't think he can. Yeah, and, it's impossible. Um, and uh, you know, the two leading ladies. I mean, Gene Simmons is. I want to say very low key gorgeous. She's um, amazing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And, <laughs> She's I mean, amazing. She caught my eye like right away. Especially when you put her next to someone like Carol Baker, where Carol Carol Baker just pops out at you. Yeah, she's pretty too. And obviously, she's I mean she's she's a pretty girl. And then and then Gene Simmons sort of just grows on you. I mean, at least that's how it happened for me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've been literally all right. Well, <laughs> I, uh, the, the Gene Simmons thing. Really the something. Gene Simmons, Simmons thing goes into like why I really. This movie means a lot to me. I mean, I've this yeah, I've seen this movie many times, but it's one of my dad's favorites, and he always brings it up whenever we're watching it together. He's like, "Oh, Gene Simmons is so attractive." I'm like, "All right, Dad, shut up." <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, know, yeah. I know she is. All right, we're I'll good. Blame them, yeah. I'll but, pour I'll one out for Gene Simmons with him right sure. there. Yeah, I'll pour yeah. out. I'll pour out some of my Chick Fil A uh, iced tea into my mouth for Gene Simmons, but you, you, exactly. You know, like, I, I get made fun of because you know I have a friend who, I mean. I know that she doesn't think it's the truth, but generally, like, I'm, you know, I, I'm attracted to blondes, you know, in real life. So it's like, you know, ideally, it's like Carol Baker would be the one that I, you know, I would gravitate towards. But, you know, seeing, I don't know, Gene Simmons didn't even do that much when she when she first popped, you know, on onto the screen once mm -hmm. uh, Gregory Peck and Carol Baker enter the and enter the house. And then you see Gene Simmons. She didn't have to do that much to sort of just pull you in and i don't know there's something i find that special i find something special about that gene simmons you know i'm, I'm with i'm i'm with you guys like gene simmons like really like you know just captured my eye and it's not just in beauty it's in terms of you know it's like just like she's got a grace to her she's just got a grace to her and everything that she does absolutely and, you know when you see that on film especially old films like these it yeah that's just i don't know it, there's a well, the ironic the ironic thing is, and Ben pointed this out to me after I had seen the film, because you know I'm I'm right with you there, Kevin, mm -hmm. about how she pulls you in. And Ben pointed out to me, he was like, "Don't read the trivia." And yeah. sure enough, if you dig, you know, if you dig deep behind the film, you find out that you find out all of these uh, tensions were rising while they were filming because Weiler is the perfectionist, right? So exactly, it was a, it was a million takes. You had to do it the right way. And Gene Simmons is on the record for saying how difficult it was to uh, to work with Weiler, and and I, I guess that, yeah. some other people in the cast too. I don't know if she got along with everybody, but yeah, um, uh, I think the the cast it surprised from, me. The cast, from what I know, basically all got along. It's just Weiler. Um, Weiler's a difficult director. I guess he's not really like a director that tells you what he wants. He wants to see you achieve, you know. He doesn't, oh, he, he's not going to just tell you, Hey, do this. He's going to watch it 15 times and say, all right, this time out of all of them was my favorite or whatever. But which I don't, which I, I don't think you. is, I don't think it's a terrible method, but of course, if you're an actor and you're doing the same thing a million times, I think you're bound to get, he's yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it annoyed. At that point. It sounds yeah, like yeah. he's, he's not, an, he's not an actor's director and there's no way in hell his director, 
uh, his directing style would fly in today's Hollywood. No way. Like it, it would no be, way. it'd be a disaster. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean uh, it's, all, it's all about budget and everything nowadays. They wouldn't allow that many retakes. You know, you had directors like, uh, I'm sure Wes Anderson fits that category. He's very much a perfectionist. He wants every single piece of dialogue to the detail. He wants every single piece of movement to his desire. So he would be willing to do so many takes. So I think out of directors today, it's probably him, Peter Jackson. I can't really think of anyone else. But Well, to fill the um, gap between between Weiler and who you just mentioned, Kevin, I think Kubrick yeah. would probably be the... Oh, Kubrick. Know, Kubrick, yeah, definitely, Kubrick, yeah. Kubrick would be the gap in between there. Um, I think I mean, Eyes Wide Shut I mean, was the film that uh, really honed in on how much of a, of a perfectionist he was because apparently Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise and the rest of the cast were on that set for... I don't know, is it... a Maybe over a year, probably. I'm not really sure, but I might be wrong. It was a long that. time. I didn't see that. Movie. It's a yeah. great movie. Maybe yeah. we could review it. Oh, we can. I, I mean, Kubrick's so damn popular. Someone's got to have, got to have uh, reviewed it already, but I don't mind. Right, right. right but we, right. as long as we're not doing the standard shit, just most popular. Exactly. But... It's yeah. so it's a layered film that you can go into anything about uh you you can you know touch upon any topic within eyes wide shut as opposed to like what other people have said before. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I didn't know that uh, Weiler was really that much of a perfectionist. Yeah, um, well, yeah, there, I listened to the commentary and I've watched this movie so many times and I watched behind the scenes on YouTube. I've watched a ton of crap in in addition to the film this time around and. Basically, um, I think they called him 15 take Weiler or no, 40, 40 take Weiler. And the, and I, I read some of, um, I actually have Gene Simmons biography and Charlton Heston's that I got from the library for this and was reading it, reading oh, up I on it. Have those. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm the one, I'm the reason the library bought the Gene Simmons book. They bought four. It was a $40 book and it's not even that. Thick. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so That's I great. was like, I'm taking advantage of that. That I put that request yeah, in way before we even decided to watch this. But yeah, they they called him 40 Take Weiler, I think. But in you know, someone said jokingly, like in reality, it was more like 15, like or less. Yeah. But, of um, course, they would exaggerate. The they, yeah. There's a. Uh, I don't know. We, we can get like we can get into production though. stuff. I mean, I was going to save it till after we talked more about story. But yeah, I mean, well, well, before I mean. Sure. Ben, sorry not to cut you off, but before we get into the production stuff, um, I did want to say that the last part of the impression, um, well, I guess it was it would be post-impression. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned this is one of your dad's favorite films. Um, and what was funny, what was funny was after I had seen the film, I, I spoke to my mom the next day and my mom was like, this is one of my favorite movies. And <laughs> the, the funny thing is, mm-hmm. is like, I, I, I never grew up with this movie or at least I never, I never if i if it, if it was playing while we were growing up i never remembered it but it's just kind of funny that all of a sudden you know i saw this movie and my mom was like oh yes favorite of mine and i didn't know that before so that, that was kind of funny yeah it was definitely <laughs> i could look it up probably and find the exact like time period where this movie it really came into my life but it was like one of the first dvds my dad brought home and like probably between you know, somewhere oh one and oh five, somewhere in, in there, probably a little, probably oh two, oh yeah. three, whatever. It doesn't matter. So wait, I, I've had it for a while. I mean, I've been watching wait, it for a wait. long time. 
Wait, Ben. So, uh, are you saying this is maybe your first Western ever? No, or... no way. No, it's it, it's not. Okay. I okay. mean, if we're going off of like total memory, my first Western ever is either between Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or Tombstone. Oh. Like those, oh, okay. those two are just okay. like burned into my mind. Both, oh, I got you. Both amazing. So yeah, yeah, both very amazing. both very good, yeah. very different, but yeah. um, very different. So, so that's pretty funny that your mom was like yeah it's my uh favorite one of my favorite movies but yeah, it's, yeah so, i mean like i mean she's into movies but it was like I, I said the movie and she like she just she repeated the whole cast you know That's everyone amazing. in the cast verbatim and i was like yeah <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> so um it was pretty cool i got to share that with my mom and um you know that's that was really that was the totality of my of my experience with the film, other than the fact when we get into the nitty gritty later, um, you know, what I was reacting to while I was watching the film. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad I, uh, was somehow passively part of that or actively. Whatever. Uh, very <laughs> grateful that very, very grateful you suggested this one. Um, so Kevin, what on, yeah. you know, what was your impression? I, I really loved it. I mean, Weiler, you know, so, Really, I don't think Weiler's. I, I might be wrong about this, but has Weiler had a vast uh, filmography? Because the last time I checked, I don't think he has. And the one film that from Weiler that I love wholeheartedly would be The Best Years of Our Lives. So, what, what you would know, you consider this, vast? Like a I mean, uh, like you know like like maybe like maybe ten fifteen films. No, I made like fifty. <laughs> He's got fifty, oh, yeah, fifty-four. Okay, so I'm so I'm so wrong then. I was probably well, looking at some other director and kind of conflated that with Weiler, but um, but yeah, actually, I, I don't. Yeah. Not to cut you off, Kevin, but Weiler's got some pretty big uh, titles in his repertoire. He's got Ben Hur. Yeah, he's got Ben Hur. He's got Roman uh, Holiday. Uh, Roman Holiday. Friendly Persuasion is one of them, right? Uh, it is, yeah. yeah friendly is. persuasion with Gary Cooper and that, and I, yes. I know of that. Okay, so I don't really. Okay, so scrap what I just said. That was BS. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> fact check. So, yeah, fact check. Roman Holiday. I love Roman Holiday. I, I mean, see, I mean, I know. Would you guys say that uh, the Big Country is your number one Wilder flick? Uh, as of this moment, undoubtedly. And undoubtedly as of this moment okay have as of this moment have you and, seen ben-hur chris i have yeah okay yeah, yeah. so it's big country i would i would i would definitely say big countries is better than ben-hur be better uh yeah i mean i, I like i like yeah i like it more um but ben-hur is like a, di a whole different turkey to cook yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, the thing is like okay well I mentioned Friendly Persuasion earlier, and that uh, that's another Wilder film that I've been meaning to get to because I've got a friend who really loves that uh, that movie, and Gary Cooper is uh, his top top actor, his top favorite actor of all time. Really? So, yeah. Uh, so I I can't wait to get to that one. But as of this moment, I mean, I love The Big Country. I really really love The Big Country. But when it comes to like say you know favorite Wilder flick, I best years of our lives kind of takes the cake for me by a smidgen so but i think eventually uh the big country will you know either 
top that or be at a at a level of it but again that that um that difference in you know which whichever movie takes the cake it's a very very small smidgen both films are fantastic and big country big country you know see here we go again with the the idea that oh you know they don't make them like this anymore well i'm sorry but that is true because i mean the way weiler so ben you said earlier that he's not an he's not an actor's director and i think that's pretty obvious when you watch the big country it is pretty obvious yes yeah so yes. i mean when you look at you know every single frame of the big country it's seriously akin to a painting it's you can kind of you can kind of relate or just equate uh a scene in the film to maybe something that Norman Rockwell would paint. I mean, it's yeah. just that there's something, yeah, there's something I, about it that's just so grand. And then, well, so, the, I mean, the, of course it, it's a, it's an epic, of course it's in, it's in the title. Just, it's in the title. Like, yeah. The, the country is in itself a character. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think like he captured that really well. There's such a, there's something about an admiration for what's in front of the human eye. And, Wilder's use of the camera really hones in on that, like, you know, sweeping landscapes, horses, carriages, and, you know, I don't know, there's like a, there's like a love uh, to um, every single frame that you see. And, you know, there's something, I don't know, like, it's, it, it's just it, it goes, I think, sorry, I, I was no, just going on, to Chris. say, it, it goes, what you're saying with how every frame or every scene looks like, painting i think weiler sort of bridges this gap of since he was a not an actor's director and he wanted so much nuance i mean mm -hmm. his blocking is incredible yeah that's, exactly, that's, yeah. that's what that's what blows me away and it's weiler really i think defines for me why we have cinema mm -hmm. in that in that you have you have these matte paintings you know or you know, these vistas, these wide, wide shots. And you also have the, you have the minuscule that he observes with the camera, right? So you, you have all this minutia that's going on between characters, these little idiosyncrasies they have with their face, these contortions yes. they do with their face, how yes. someone's facing the, how someone's facing the other person when an insult is being flown or when they're talking. Um, it's, it's really quite something and it bridges the gap really well, I think. Um, yeah. Just to go off of, just to go off of your point there. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the, the, the simplest of shots I could pretty much look at for quite a while, even, even the, uh, you know, the, the scene of fisticuffs between Charlton Heston and Gregory Peck, I could have watched that for, I think I could have watched that for hours if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's just like you know a simple camera shot from far away and you see two men going at it just punching each other to the death uh out in you know out in the field and it's just so vast and that it's almost like that's all they've got and there's something there's sort of a there's a beauty to it i don't know it's just really funny it's just really funny and yeah i think honestly i mean probably one of my favorite westerns you know the big country uh just establishes a very there's a serene quality to every single uh, scene, even in moments of uh, distress, moments of sadness, moments of, you know, of course, like joy. 
there's a serene quality uh, to it and it's just very pleasant it's very pleasant to you know take a gander at and i agree uh, i agree yeah and you know of course i mean like that 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 is also helped by the you know the ensemble cast. Like, this is a great cast. So we already mentioned Gene Simmons and Carol Baker, but you know Gregory Peck, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston was a sort of a big deal uh, for me growing up because I'm well. For, of course, you know there's Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, and that was that was introduced to be my by my parents. So I had I had known and had been a fan of Charlton Heston for quite quite a while already. And uh, Burl Ives, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, maybe other listeners can relate to this and maybe you guys can't, but for maybe not Ben, you, 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 you know, Burl Ives from, he's been in plenty of other movies and uh, Westerns. Well, that, right? and also he's a, was a huge singer. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he was a huge singer, but for me, I, I pretty much only knew Burl Ives based on the uh, Rankin Bass uh, Christmas cartoons so like oh, that, you know that's a good that's a good one yeah exactly yeah. it's like 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 i only know him from all the christmas songs that we listen to you know from as a kid and even even now so like you know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer uh he, he played uh forgot the name of the snowman already but he was the snowman in the actual uh animated special oh Burl, was that the one with the the snowman with the mustache I, I believe no. so. Yeah, he's the one who goes like, "Oh, what's the matter? Ever seen a talking snowman before?" Like that was Burl Ives in uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the, uh, oh, the Christmas gotcha. special. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, I don't so, think I knew that. All that music, for me, yeah, all yeah. that music. I'm pretty sure he just. Either, I'm not sure what came first, either the album, the Christmas album, or that movie. But he was or that movie. Yeah, if you look that that uh, soundtrack up, that that sound that all those songs are like iconic iconic right yeah so like burl ives really for me had well and for plenty of others too had been very closely associated with christmas uh music christmas specials that was that was where i knew burl ives but i had i don't really know much of burl ives apart from that i know that he was a singer i know that he was an actor my dad so really my dad the, saw him live oh we really yeah. Wow, that's cool. Oh, no way. In the 80s. <laughs> in North Carolina, no less. Carolina. Raleigh, Raleigh again. Or Durham. Oh, or Raleigh. Wherever. Oh, interesting. Raleigh, Durham. <laughs> yeah. Very that's nice. Cool. That's nice. Yeah. So, Burl Ives, uh, this was my first uh, my first encounter with Burl Ives, apart from all of that, you know, as a serious actor. Oh, and... uh, well, I got a recommendation for you, Kevin. Yeah. You should watch Day of the Outlaw, which is a Western that Day came out a year later, and he's fantastic in that. Is he? Some, I have to see that one, too. Some, some, I haven't seen that either. Some people say that he should have got his – well, he got Academy Award for his role in Big Country, and some people say that he should have gotten an uh, Academy Award for that movie instead. So, <laughs> I actually read that. Ben? Say that? Day of the Outlaw. Say that Day again? of the Outlaw. Okay. okay. Day, Day of the, the Outlaw. Outlaw, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, going through Burl Lives' filmography, it looks like I've seen a handful. Um, either of you guys see Station West? No, no, I haven't. That one was in part of Criterion's um, Western Noir series they had going on. It was either 2020 or last year. Um, it, so it's a little bit of like a private eye case in the West, sort of. Um, it stars Dick Powell, Jane Greer, Agnes Moorhead, Burl Lives. Um, Raymond Burr's got a small role in it. Man, another um, good cast. Jeez, Look at another that. great cast. Um, 
didn't blow me away, but that one was good. Um, and it looks like Burl Ives is done. Like you said, Kevin, he, he was in that Rudolph special. Um, mm-hmm. He was in a Samuel Fuller film in 1982 called White Dog. I saw that, and I liked that one when I saw it. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know how much you guys are into schlock. Not <laughs> but, really. Uh, um, I mean, I'm open it, to it. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, I can be a fan of it. And uh, I don't remember his role in this movie, but apparently Burl Ives was also in Two Moon Junction, which was from 1988, directed by Zalman King. Um, and Zalman King, if you're unfamiliar, he kind of does these very, <laughs> very unique, heavy on the saxophone, um, you know, uh, late at night, after hours, like heavy romance, very erotic at times kind of movies. Yeah. Um, Two Moon Junction is one I would recommend to you guys um, if you are looking for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that one sounds very familiar to me. Two Moon Junction. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks is in it. Ah, um, oh, okay. and she's and she's gorgeous. So I mean, that's yeah, that's she's gorgeous too. <laughs> that's Try, enough for reason to watch. Are that you one. trying to entice me with pretty pretty women? What the heck? I am. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Oh. Um, no, but it. I mean, you're probably not going to like it if you don't dig. Like, I just can't, I just, all I can do is call it schlock. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like <laughs> Zalman King has his own. Not to get in too much of a tangent here. Um, yeah. But anyway, I guess Burl Ives is in that one. Um, okay, all righty. So, so he's in a few things I, that I've seen anyway. Um, well, I highly recommend you know, Day of the Outlaw. Yeah. I, I, I just added now. that to my watch list. Yeah. yeah and you know what? I, I was reading up on that, and a lot of people feel that he should have won for that <laughs> as opposed to his role in the big country, which I find hard to believe because he was he was awesome in the big country. And while watching it and going into the movie – I did not know if there were any uh, Academy Award winners or anything like that involved with the film. So well, the uh, um, I believe the score by Jerome Morose was uh, a nominated, but yeah, Ives won his. I love that score. Oh yeah, man, the this is probably one awesome. of the best scores of yeah, like right from the get go, right from the get go. Once you see that carriage uh, racing down the field and you hear that music just come on, you're like. Oh yeah. boy! Spe- oh, my yeah. Speaking of gracious. speaking of the intro, you know who did the intro credits? Uh, Chris was Saul Bass, and you know what he was really famous for? Oh, the way is that name? He did all the intro <laughs> stuff for like Hitchcock, like Vertigo, and all that. There's- yeah, yep. Oh, that's right. Go. That's right. Uh, I should have. I should know that. Oh <laughs> should man, know I that. should know that. <laughs> and he and he um he also did the poster for a lot of stuff too, and he did the poster for this movie. It's a that's sick why poster. it actually does look quite familiar. It, it is very much that style. Like the, yeah. the, uh, the, the, it's like the font of Vertigo and a lot of Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's okay, probably all great. similar time frame. I don't, I don't know the, the Hitchcock, the Hitchcocking years. I can't tell you all those yeah. movies. This is 58. <laughs> this is yeah. 58. Yeah, Vert, Vertigo yeah, was right was right there. Yeah. It was the same year. So oh, right. I had to bring up yeah. Hitchcock. <laughs> I had to bring it up, man. We're going to work up well, actually, work out. Yeah, work it into every episode. <laughs> and I didn't even bring it up this time. So this was good. No, this was yeah, good. Yeah. Healthy, healthy and, you know, get get around <laughs> to Hitchcock every time. This is good. Right. <laughs> exactly. Now, I was yeah. going to say, though, because uh, going back to Burl Ives, you know, apart from what I knew him from, um, you know, there 
just like the way he yeah i think he really did deserve the so he did win the academy for yeah. it, best supporting best yep. supporting actor best, best supporting. supporting yep i think burl ives in the way like somewhat similar to gene simmons he doesn't really have to do much to gain a reaction from you because okay well i guess we'll go into the plot later but i just wanted to talk about this scene where uh, gregory peck's character uh jim uh basically tells him what is what is you know what is what what they've been doing wrong what both rival what what the rivalry between the families like why it was so useless why it was so petty and when when you see burl ives's character come to that realization oh you're right uh rufus is his name right yeah he was playing Han- rufus, yeah, rufus, uh, Hennessy. rufus Hennessy. rufus Hennessy. yeah so when it when he comes to the realization like oh you're you're actually right about that and I don't know. There is a look on his face that just says a thousand words. And it gets to the scene where he's about to confront uh, the father. Uh, um, what was it? Merrigan? Not, not, no. no, no, no. That that would be Gene Simmons. That would be Carol Baker's character. You're character. talking about Charles Bickford. Charles, oh, Charles Bickford's character. Charles yeah. Bickford's yeah. character, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, so yeah. he's about to T- face Maj- Charles Maj- Bickford. Major Terrell. Major Terrell, yeah. yeah. Major yeah. Terrell, yeah. The Major, as they keep calling him. And yes. he's about to face off against him. And, you know, once he gets off, once Burl Ives, once Rufus gets off his horse and then he takes that uh, that shotgun with him, he, you know, he he gives Gregory Peck a look and it's it's like it's like a little grin. There's a little grin in his eyes just looking at Gregory Peck before he turns right around knowing what his fate is going to be. And I don't know. It's just yeah. something about that where it's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. don't have to say anything at all here. Generally, you know, you would have you you would have a lot of dialogue in a lot of movies that have to explain that. But all he had to do was look at Gregory Peck and you just immediately realize, yeah, I know. I I know what you're saying. I know what you're going to do. I don't want you to do it, but I yes. know that you you have to because it's for the sake of everybody in each family. It's to save this- the Hannesies. It's to save um it's just it's to save the Terrells. And pretty much it's to save that country. So, or the big country. So it's like, it, I don't know. It's like a very beautiful it, delivery. It speaks to Weiler's direction style because yes. I, I've seen other Weiler films and it's just the way the characters interact and they don't have to say words. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. these little reactions again, you know, lots of negative space. Um, you know, I just, I love how directors if they're capable of doing that. And you, I guess you give right credit to the writing team too. Um, I wouldn't, but do I mean, that. It's, 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 it's everybody. It's the, it, it's, it's the writing team. It's the actors, how they deliver their lines, how they're reacting. And then Weiler really just does an amazing job because he's able to coordinate the way that physically, how these actors are spaced from each other, how they're looking at each other and how it all just coordinates and comes together to get like these, reactions that you're talking about kevin yeah you know yeah yeah. it's amazing especially with that right before hannesy goes and faces off with major terrell i i did a whole tribute to this scene in my review where you have the whole group at hannesy's porch and and um gregory peck why am i blanking on his name um Uh, Jim. jim mckay yeah he's on the horse he's he's there to get julie marigan and she's standing there with uh, Chuck Connors, um, the son of Hennessy. And yeah. um, everything on Burl Ives' face 
he's like you can see everything working behind his behind his eyes you know like his every all the cogs are turning he's putting every piece together why jim mckay is there beyond the fact that um he's there to tell them that he owns um the big muddy um and and how he realizes there's a relationship or something forming between Maragon and McKay. I just, I think it's brilliant. It's just like yeah. the whole thing is just, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. And there's undoubtedly there's, like there's, undeniably brilliant. There's literally t- 25 scenes like that in the movie that are just like, that's, it's ben, awesome. That's exactly right. It's exactly so, yeah. right. Every it's mm-hmm. almost every scene kind of just boils down to, the way that Weiler frames everything and, and I don't, it just, it all falls into place. I, I don't know how else to say it. Right. It's, it's gorgeous to look at. He lets everything breathe. The actors know like how they're reacting to things appropriately. Um, everything about it is just amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing because uh, the film is so grand. It's so epic. Like we've mentioned but simultaneously, there is that M.O. from Weiler where you can actually, where less is more, basically. You can deliver so much with a lot less. And it does breathe through in a lot of scenes. And yes. I love it when, when film is like that. Because, you know, film, of course, as everyone should know, is a visual medium. It's an emotional medium. So when you are able to conjure that and deliver the feeling through minuscule looks, glances, movements without any dialogue and it's and it's able to hit home, you know, that is definitely a mark of a good good film. And, and a great a director. Country, and a great director. So, yeah. you know, like it the, the big country fits that bill. See, like speaking of that, I think you guys would really really love uh the best years of our lives because, you know, you see a lot of that there too. And the interactions between characters, the romances, coming back from war, trying to, uh, you know, live their lives again, realize what they lost and what they've gained, and to look past your losses and actually realize what you can gain in the future. There's something yeah. there that, you know, Weiler is like just able to touch upon like these layered themes in his films. And, you know, again, with a big country, that's proof of that, too. Well, and. And Weiler does the same thing you're talking about. I haven't seen the best years of our lives, but mm-hmm. Weiler does the same thing that you're talking about there in the Harris with Olivia de Havilland and Montgomery cliff. I don't know if either of you guys oh. have seen that. I've that one, I know, I know of it. Yeah. You got to throw that one. one on your, you got to throw that one on your list too, because okay. it's the same. It. <laughs> it's the same thing with how he, how he blocks a scene, how these characters are, are the tension is bubbling underneath how the characters are reacting. It's, I mean, it's not, you're not seeing vistas like in the big country. Um, everything's framed inside of this apartment and just like just outside the apartment uh, or the okay. house uh, in which they're living. So it feels a little bit more stagey. Um, uh-huh. But Wilder does some really cool things there because there's some like mirror you. shots. Um, like he, he does a few things. So like he gets some reactions through some mirrors. So that's 1949. That one's yeah, 10 years earlier yeah, 10 years about. earlier so 1949 so that was back when they used a 133 to 1 aspect ratio the 4 to 3 aspect ratio so you're yeah a lot of it is more enclosed but there's a you know with yes. that aspect ratio you're able to get something intimate out of that if you use it yes. well so yeah I, I i get it that's the same thing with best years of our lives it uses the same exact aspect ratio pre-1953 
best years of our lives is 1946. Yeah. yeah so that right, makes, exactly. that makes perfect sense. And, and just to throw another film on top there, I I've seen actually a good handful of Weiler. Um, the little foxes is another excellent mm. example. Um, okay. again, more interior shots. It's, a, it's earlier than, um, best years of our lives, I think by a few years. Um, oh, okay. and that one's again, great performances. Oh, Teresa on, Wright is in this one too. Uh, okay. She's great. Um, oh, Betty Teresa Davis. Wright, man. Yeah. Betty Teresa Davis, Wright, yeah. Betty Davis. Um, it's that one guy from, I, I know him from 12 angry men. <laughs> Lee J. Cobb. Um, no, not Lee J. Cobb. It's, um, let's see. Oh my God. Is it Herbert Marshall? Herbert Marshall's in here. Yeah. 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 That, that's him. I think. Yeah. Um, Dan Durier has a small role. Um, I'm, Dan big, I'm big. I'm big on Dan Durier. Um, he's great. Yeah. He's really great. Oh, Charles Dingle might be the guy I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. He, yeah. I was wondering. Uh, Durier's in a lot of Westerns. Durier's in a lot <laughs> of Westerns. Um, I'm incorrect. I, I was thinking of Charles Dingle, which I had seen him in. I got you. Uh, I guess it was having a, he was in an Abbott and Costello movie. I guess that's what I recognize him from. Oh, so, okay. so it's forget my 12 Herbert angry Marshall men. Herbert Marshall. Oh, no, no. See, yeah, Herbert Marshall was in uh, Foreign Correspondent by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, I love that one, too. That's a, one, that's a good yeah. Hitchcock film. One of my favorites, actually. I need yeah, to that, one's, that one. That one's good. I think Ben would like yeah. that one, and I'm pretty sure he has. I think he, yeah, Ben would like that one, too. Yeah. Need more Hitchcock. Yes. Need more cowbell. Need more Hitchcock. <laughs> need more cowbell. Anyway, going on more tangents, but. The Little Foxes, great uh, example of Weiler's technique. Same with the best years of our lives per Kevin. And then um, the Harris, again. It's, I, so I went into the big country again once I knew this was directed by Weiler. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I have had a few interesting bump-ins on Letterboxd where I've read people ha- don't believe like Weiler has like a style. Um, oh, that's so wrong. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, it's so I, this is why I'm like so passionate about another reason why I'm so passionate about the big country, I think is because yeah. this is the, this is at least the, the fourth or fifth film I've seen since I've ran into the people that I've read who have said that. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, every, with every single film, I'm like, I don't know how you can't see it. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. has a distinct style. And maybe I can't explain it right, but it's everything we've touched upon tonight about exactly uh, about, you know, I, I think we're beating a dead horse a little bit, but you know, it's no, the no, framing, it's, it's the blocking, it's, it's how he tells his actors to do things, Chris, even if it's like a million, a million that just, times. That just sounds like the people, if they have that many reviews that you've seen like that, that means they're someone just said it and then everyone else just paired it all for them. It's what it's sounds pretty like. much the same way. That's exactly how people have treated Zack Snyder's work with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. They they basically parrot the same exact you know sentiments. And sentiments I say in air quotes. They're not really sentiments. They're just attacks. No, they, they, well, they and they, they just, attach you know, to yeah. they, they attach to like one or two little sentences and just base their entire like perspective or their entire viewpoint on it on that one. Yeah, pretty thing. much. It, pretty much. Personally, it it fresh it's it's stick it's stuck with me clearly um because now i'm like i, I gotta defend weiler <laughs> you know that's just how i feel <laughs> so it's like yeah you know i gotta defend my boy you know yeah, so, exactly right um 
I've and well, and that that helps too because I've I think I've loved most of the films I've seen. Um, oddly enough, oddly enough, with the exception of 1940, which I think he had two films that were up for Best Picture that year. Oh. Um, in, in 1940, I think it was The Letter, and he the, had the Westerner. The Westerner. That's it. Westerner, which is which is um, both of them were, a good Western. Oh yes. boy, Gary Cooper. Yes. Hey, I, I was Walter well, Brennan's and, in this one too. Oh shoot, and, I gotta watch this. Kev, Kev it's yeah. Walter Walter Brennan won his third Oscar for the Western. As, so, really? As, as he was yeah. he was he was crazy Judge Roy Bean. So he's like going around just like killing people. It's pretty intense. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Well, wait, I'm looking at this cast right now. Dana Andrews is in it too. Charlton Heston's. Oh no, no, not Charlton Heston. Charles Halton. Wow, I got really excited for a bit. But yeah, Dana, so, Dana Andrews. I love Dana Andrews too it's it's a great cast it's it's ironic oh i i think i think i mostly love i think everything i've seen by weiler except for the year that year like i'm i don't i don't hate the westerner or the letter i just uh-huh. think that he I, I think he vastly improved after 1940 yeah exactly okay. um okay. so like and like i think i have the western and the letter rated like middle of the road like two and a half or three stars um and oh, okay. the and Ben's right though. Like the Westerner has Walter Brennan has does an amazing job um in that one. And Gary Cooper's good too. Um yeah, I love that. But guy. I think I, I love... think love him. Yeah. Yeah. Um Walter Brennan and I, Gary Cooper have done have done some pretty good team ups over the years. I mean, they've also done Meet John Doe, which is one of my favorite, favorite Frank Capra films. That's right. Uh, I gotta get yeah. I gotta get to that one. Yeah, yeah, they've done uh, they've done they, they they've done a good amount. Walter Brennan's always just he lights up the screen in his own way. It's just great. Absolutely. <laughs> and Red Red River too with uh with with, with the Duke. I mean Walter Brennan yes. in that film too. Just oh God, you know, that's great. It's great. It's well, great. What, what it's about great. Rio Bravo? Oh, Rio, Rio Bravo, Bravo, of course. Stumpy. <laughs> Stumpy. He's Stumpy, that's <laughs> exactly, right. Exactly. So, you I wanted to um I did want to touch upon so like you guys are talking about the framing and stuff like that. Uh, so me too. I want to have the, something to say about that the, too. The, the significance the significance of this movie, I think, well, for the genre and like I'm not sure about Weiler, but definitely for the Western, is that this was might be one of the first uh like widescreen westerns ever made. I I, I that's don't hold me to that. I'm just I'm pretty sure. But uh Could it was fi- it was filmed in like Technorama, which was like a technicolor process to and it's like an alternative to a uh, cinemascope but um mm-hmm. like since they wa- cool. since the story was so epic they wanted obviously to do it in widescreen for the landscapes yes. um and the whole i think while i don't know if it was weiler or peck so they both were co-producers on this uh movie which again a whole other story but that led to a lot of contention but uh, um as co-producers i i don't know whose decision it was or was an executive at the uh, studio or whatnot or whatever United artists. Um, uh-huh. But basically this whole movie was trying to combat like with the landscape um, cinematography was trying to combat like the Western television show, which there's so many at the time, you know, Maverick Gunsmoke, uh, have yeah. gun will travel Cheyenne. There, there's a, a crap of like Roy Rogers, Gene Autry. They were a all, pop- they yeah. were all popular at that time. So like, Gene Autry. I this, love the name Gene Autry too. <laughs> yeah, this was the uh, studio's kind of uh they were giving Weiler to the go ahead to try to like combat that and try to see if if a widescreen western would be successful, which it was pretty successful. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Ben, did this did good in the box office? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was like I don't think it so. Oh, it it, it 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 wasn't like a smash hit. It made money, but I think the problem was, um, as as the production went a little too long, the the actors were having problems with the reshoots. Uh, Peck and Weiler butted butted heads because they were co-producers, and obviously Gregory Peck was the star of the movie. So yes. Weiler kind of uh didn't really see him as an equal, quote unquote. Wow. And okay. they they actually after this movie they had a fight on set and they didn't speak for like three or four years. <laughs> I, I read about that. Yeah, I, wow. I was gonna I was gonna say something about that because we were talking earlier about how Weiler is a perfectionist. Wasn't it also true that Gregory Peck himself was? A yeah. So the whole reason they or... so the whole reason they got mad was because like during the uh, buckboard scene, which is when uh-huh. the Hennessys initially get. Um, introduce like the buck and his gang like they harass yeah. them they like kind of like yeah do like the whole yeah they just like hold them up and whatnot there was like a cutaway with like greg uh greg peck's face and he didn't like it after he looked at the dailies and he went to weiler <laughs> and wouldn't let it go it was like month a month of this like every couple oh days he'd, he'd bring it up and eventually weiler was like i'm not reshooting that don't ask me again and Wow. Peck, Peck like blew up and like drove. They filmed it out in like whatever northern, northeastern, um, I think Stockton, California. So Kevin, you um, might you might know about that. I don't know, but basically he drove all the yeah. way back. He drove back to like LA. Oh no, it must have happened closer. It must have happened closer uh, to LA. But basically he drove back to LA that day, and then eventually I think he simmered down. And they were very. I mean. Weiler was a hugely proud dude, and I think Peck was the same way. And mm-hmm. when you have those two type of personalities as co-producers on a film, it's 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 going to be it's, it's going to be fireworks, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, fireworks. But yeah, it we made got it, a good film out of it, though. Yeah, no, it's an uh, it's a miracle that we got what we got, and exactly um, yeah. like it did make money. But I think both of them like had points on it, which like for the listeners that means. Uh, in the studio system back in the day, I, I'm sure now, like actors and directors would get percentages of the profits, um, and I don't think that any either of them really made too much money because, uh, for whatever reason. But I know looking at like the online data, I, I'm pretty sure it made a little bit money, a little bit of money. But maybe if you consider marketing, maybe it lost. I don't know. Um, okay, I but it does. It it doesn't doesn't really matter it won a couple of it got nominated for awards and it won an award and i think it's also a significant movie because it let chuck heston or charlton heston for everyone else basically got the role for judah ben-hur by being in this movie and he oh really yeah and he almost I didn't know that he almost didn't take he almost didn't take this role because he wasn't going to be first billing he, he, uh, he and he's he's not even second he's not even second billing he's like fourth or fifth or something fifth yeah fourth yeah, or fifth it's yeah, really yeah. odd um, I, I was watching this and uh, I I think I was watching it with my dad my dad thought wait was Charlton Heston pretty this is one of his early roles because he's not even he's not even the star it's like it's kind of odd to see that Charlton Heston is not the star of a film and I was like oh yeah interesting okay. <laughs> Well, he's well, lucky. No, this, is like, this is two years after Ten Commandments, and yeah, yeah. exactly. And, the, well, and, I... and Heston's biography says the same thing. 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's it's funny because I, in my experience with Heston, I don't, I've never really considered him a great actor. Um, so mm-hmm. seeing him here, he like, he like blew me away, and mm-hmm. I think I'm giving a little bit more credit to Weiler <laughs> than Heston, but um, he he was great here. He was great, and he is he's yeah. he's got one of those he's got one of those redemptive arcs in a yeah. way well um not to, not to cut you off but let's uh no, not at all. what which which one of us wants to give like a little two or three uh sentence summary of this of the story because we've kind of gone like an hour without even saying what it's really about <laughs> right <laughs> why don't you do that ben okay this so is the, this is the movie yeah go ahead. so like how i like to think of it is uh gregory Peck uh, somehow transformed himself from Captain Horatio Hornblower because he's a sea captain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, they don't say where it's where it's located, but I think the implication is Texas. So you're introduced to, to this big, um, you know, the intro with the music. You're introduced to this big country. It's multiple days. This guy is traveling out, and you realize it's a Easterner. I, I don't I think he's a retired ship captain and mm-hmm. he's marrying or he's engaged to a girl that he met in Baltimore, I think, funny enough, where I'm kind of funny from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's going out there to meet the family, and the family is uh this old major I think a major Terrell who owns a big um huge, huge uh ranch in again, Texas, presumed to be Texas. And um, he's in a land war with another rancher who lives pretty far away. Whatever. Another guy. I don't know if they ever really talk about his ranch, but another rancher. And they're fighting over water source in the middle of, you know, dry desert. Well, kind of prairie, whatever. Um, And that's kind of the backstop. That's the epic. That's the epic part of it. Um, And then there's all these little intricate. Like there's the love triangle between um, Jim McKay, Gregory Peck's character, Carol Baker, which is uh, I know her last name's Terrell. I'm her. I'm blanking on her first name, but he's out there uh, to marry Patricia. her. Yeah, Pat. He's out there to marry yeah, her, Pat, right. and then he starts falling for Gene Simmons, who plays Julie Merrigan, who is the granddaughter of the old rancher who died, who owned the big money, who basically let anybody water their cattle there. Um, and now that he's dead, he died. Um, both ranchers keep offering her money and try to persuade her to sell. So that's kind of the backdrop. And I, should I keep going or? I think it's pretty good. I mean, tensions, that's pretty good. you get the idea, you get the idea that tensions between the two families, uh, become enraged, you know, everything start to progress in the wrong direction. Um, Jim McKay is sort of a fish out of water. Oh, yeah. Um, but he he takes it upon himself. I mean, it's such a it's such an amazing character. Um, I'm just I'm I'm sort of shocked that I haven't heard people talk this role up more for Gregory Peck. I mean, he was a man of of a lot of good roles. Atticus Finch is clearly the one that I think most people talk about. Unfortunately, um, one everyone likes to talk about. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's it, always to kill a mockingbird. He's Chris. He's great in that one. Have you have you have you seen Horatio, uh, Captain Horatio Hornblower uh, RN, which is a little? I think it's 1953. <laughs> no, Gregory Peck. No. It's like this role, but even even more awesome. 
Even, really? really? Even more awesome? Yeah. Like, that's why I was making the joke. Like, I just that's picture, I picture yeah. he's, he's a captain, he's Horatio Hornblower, and then he just, oh, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to the, I'm going out in the West. <laughs> but, well, the funny uh, thing is, too, he played a sea captain again in Moby Dick. He was... Very different roles. <laughs> I mean, very hilarious. different. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, he did the sea captain thing for a little bit there. Um, captain Horatio Anyway, Hornblower. I was, I was, I don't, I, I can't remember where name. I was going. Horatio Hornblower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> uh, the book, it's based off a book series, and there is that ITV. Uh, I can't ever remember his damn name or can't ever pronounce it, but it's that, it's the British guy who played uh, Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. Maybe you know his name off the top of your head, uh, Kevin. Oh, boy. Uh, it's something Ian weird. Griffin. It, it's like an uh, Irish name where yeah. you don't pronounce it correct. You don't pronounce it the way it's Ion, spelled. Like it's like whatever. Ion. But yeah, I think, I th- like I think it's Ian. I think it's I think it's called it's Ian Gruffitt or something like that. Yeah. But oh but okay. there's a there's an ITV <laughs> movie series about that character that I own. That's pretty it's pretty solid. I mean, it's it's British television, so it kind of has that like production value. That's like murky, like f- photography. But regardless, I really like that character. And Peck's uh, Jim Ch- Pe- Gregory Peck's Jim McKay is very similar and. Uh, traits to uh, personality traits to Horatio Hornblower in the movie. I forget who directed it, but uh, that is oh, awesome. Raul Walsh. Yeah, that, Raul yeah, Walsh. I just added go. it to my uh, to my okay, uh, cool. watch list. High, highly yeah. recommend that movie. Okay. Well, what I, I was I gonna say is, is I was gonna say that just packing in Big Country is is my favorite role of his. I think. Um, I can't wait to watch this movie again. <laughs> I, 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 I watched it three times for this podcast. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, look at I, Ben. I know three he's... times in one month. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah. gonna say something though about uh, about uh, you know because Chris, you you just mentioned Gregory Peck's Jim McKay being a fish out of water. Uh, I wanted yes. to also touch upon you know there are different the different traits of masculinity here. Because, you know, when Jim comes in and he enters the fray in, like, the, in the big country, every guy there, you know, is, like, you know, just full of, you know, great testosterone. You know, like, if, the, if you, they don't like you, they want to fight you. They want to prove their worth. And, you know, there's also there's that difference between uh, Jim McKay and uh, Heston's character, which is, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name now. Steve Leach. Yeah, Steve Leach. Leach. Yeah, exactly right. So there's this idea of not only Leech, but you've got uh, you've got the Hannesies, you've got you've got Major Terrell. There's always that idea of trying to prove oneself or one's worth to others around them. And Jim McKay isn't like that at all. He's more so. I don't care about what they think. I only care about what I think of myself. And if I need to pr- improve myself, then I'll do it. But I'll only do it, you know. For me to know, exactly. I don't need everybody else to know. So there's that there's that idea of humility versus not necessarily. And maybe one can call it pomposity, but maybe, but really, it's all about just like maybe it it could be sort of a a timidity, a fear of like I don't want anyone to think that I'm such a coward. But in a way, like Jim Jim is the only one who's actually overcome that feeling. Where it's like I don't care if they think I'm a coward. I'm the only one who knows if I'm really, you know, a hero or, or a yes. real man. And yes. there, just seeing that difference is just really interesting. Just seeing, like, the different forms of masculinity kind of pitted against each other and seeing which one wins. Obviously, it would be the humble, 
the humble man would win. The humble man is truly the one who's actually stronger than the man who wants to prove his worth to everyone. So, like, well, even like, that, he, yeah, go on. And sorry, Kevin, but in that, oh, no, that comes fine. that comes to a head in two particular scenes when yes. when he when Carol Baker confronts him mm-hmm. to try to get back together with him, and. Yes. They have little. They have a nice back and forth, and she doesn't understand why he wouldn't fight for him, why he wouldn't ride the horse, why you know he just let Steve Leach and his and his gang. Uh, I'm not sorry, not Steve Leach. Chuck Connors and his gang tie him up when he first got there, mm-hmm. and and he's like, I I I don't need to show anybody. And she's like, you would if you loved me. And then he's like, yeah. if you love me, then he's like, if you love me, you wouldn't need me to show you. Yeah, it, it just, oh man. Throws it, it right it back together. at her. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it comes, I love it. It comes together there. And I think it comes together, the humility part you're talking about, Kevin, comes together mm-hmm. really well also in the fight scene that Ben mentioned already, the fist fight he has with Leech. Kevin, in right. the middle of Kevin's the... the one who brought that up, but yeah, that's... Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. alright. <laughs> yeah, so in the, the fight scene that they have in the middle of the night, in, in the middle of a giant field mm-hmm. where no one is watching them fight except maybe some cattle. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous moment. Tremendous mm-hmm. moment. What did, um, we, what did we prove, Leech? exactly exactly yeah and i love it what what a what a way to end and like seeing both men like their bodies and how they you know they're so physical there and then they just they're so tired and then yeah what what did we what did we prove leech and then they just sort of crawl away that's the and that's why that's why that scene shot like that with with them looking really small and and they're shooting he's shooting like it's well one it's in the dark and two he's really far away in a lot of the shots so it makes it look mm-hmm. like these two little guys yeah. fighting in this big open space and it's like what's it what's the point of this fight like <laughs> exactly it's like it's like two little kids trying to like just you know just going at it and yeah. it's yeah and he, like, there's a... even um Heston brought that up he's like what what's he this is just cruel like he's just hey, we're gonna look like ants on this on the you know in the dailies what's the yeah. point of doing this and they exactly that's the whole point exactly that that's the whole point, point. uh-huh so it's like yeah. a, it's just a really beautiful like message in the way that's uh the way that's executed by Weiler and uh and you know uh, speaking of that it's the same thing for when the major and Rufus finally confront each other it's also from far away it's also yeah. from far away and you know yes. you see it's a very sad ending but a necessary ending and just the way it's shot it's like yeah i mean like again you were throwing it back to what happened in uh in not really the beginning but like somewhat you know halfway through the film when leech and mckay fight each other so now this is this is the true end to the feud this is the true end to the rivalry so rufus has actually gained that wisdom from mckay Whereas, you know, look, we got to end this right now. And all I can do is to take to, all I can do right now is to take the humility that you've shown me and the wisdom that you've shown me. And I need to take that upon myself. And, you know, right. that's it's it's just great. It's the, just great the way it's uh, the way it's executed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I want to really go back because I, I wanted to talk about the blocking, Chris, that you mentioned, because. Yeah. 
you know, when it comes to framing, when it comes to blocking in film, I don't think there are people who really know the importance of that specifically. I think because you're right. Estab- yeah, Marvel. blocking establishes. <laughs> right, oh, see, oh, you already kind of thinking you know where I'm going now. <laughs> but so, yeah, basically, look, blocking when it comes to film, it not only establishes like a beauty of the frame or a beauty of the picture, but establishes, you know, the difference between you know, power and weakness, who has authority over the other, or really is everyone, is everyone on a level playing field? And you see that with Weiler, you see that with a lot of old movies, you see that with films today too. But films today kind of suffer from this idea that, no, all I got to do is just put these people in front of the screen just to be there. But what's the purpose? There's got to be a purpose to it. There's got to be a purpose to the way they look on on in front of the camera. There's got to be a purpose to the way the camera is positioned because you need to establish this drama, this emotion between power and weakness, between authority over the individual. And that is actually something of, you know, significance in something like the big country. Now, Marvel, like what Ben just, you know, <laughs> mentioned right there, it's it's just gotten to the point i don't think it i don't think it only exists in marvel movies it exists in a lot of films nowadays i think the camera instead of kind of admiring the beauty of how to place actors on screen or how to see the environment around them it really just focuses on getting the two like getting two people in the frame and when you look at the camera the camera's generally quite close to them that all you see is them. It's like, you know, I don't really see I don't really see a beauty, I don't see a significance, I don't see any any reverence for well, th- anything. Think about this what are you trying to deliver here? Yeah. Agreed. agreed. Well, th- think about this for a second. So, if your example is Marvel or just take mm-hmm. any blockbuster film made these mm-hmm. days, right? Mm-hmm. Um you have a camera and you have an actor in a suit and then you have a green screen yeah behind them. How are you recognizing the space beyond the fact that you're told that, you know, this, this, this thing over here is supposed to be this and this background, you are in this place, but everything looks the same, right? Sure. You can be told, sure. You can be told, oh, you got to stand on your X here and here and here and here, but you totally lose. I mean, I'm not an actor, but you totally lose your sense of, I think what's going on. I, right. I, I I mean, I think you can be good at what you do, but it's it's a totally different animal to to have that be what your situation is versus having, you know, a mountain range behind you and you're in a vista having a fist fight with another dude or you're on Paul uh, Papa or whatever his name is, Pa Hennessy's porch, Rufus Hennessy's yeah, porch. Rufus. And right. and and you're seeing this confrontation happen with so many layers, one thing on top of the other occurring without words being spoken or if, or if words are being spoken, you can still see things that are happening from secondary characters. That's why the ones that, that's why they rely Marvel and any movie like that. They just heavily rely on one liners and comedy to get them through. I mean, pretty much. There's no, like there's no, there's no dramatic, like, sequences like just think of like avengers the first one when they're you know all in the the cities getting blown up and they're all like coming up next to each other it's always like there's always just like a one-liner during a dramatic moment when someone almost died it's like 
something rely a smart ass remark. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is that? They rely on quips. They rely on quips. And I think really maybe I'm wrong about this, but that happened after Joss Whedon uh helmed the Avengers and suddenly you get dramatic moments being clotheslined by quips, well, sharp quips here Josh, and there. Joss Whedon's ruined a lot of things. Pretty much, yeah. Well, also, <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that everybody, true, yeah. everybody's a smart ass. Like, everyone's a smart, intelligent, like just a sarcastic person in his stuff. So, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, exactly, they're all the same yeah. character. They're, everyone's a, everyone knows everything. Everyone, whatever. I'm just pretty much. No, I no, can't. no. It's yeah. Yeah, here's one thing though, because uh, stemming off from uh, what Chris said and uh, what what we all said here. When it comes to blocking, framing, and cinematography, there is a quote that I've, I've, I've probably, I've probably quoted this maybe two or three times in my reviews. But the cinematographer for uh, Thor Ragnarok has had gone out and said what, like, what his function was on set, and he said, "quote As a cinematographer, one dreams with doing a custom work, and that's not the thing here. It's actually the contrary. You vanish." Your function is to get a technically impeccable image at the service of the director and a fundamental character crew. That is the VFX supervisor, end quote. So really what they do, they're not really think. It doesn't really seem that they're thinking of, you know, how to execute this idea or this emotion in within the frame. Really, you're you're crafting an image so that the so that VFX, uh, the VFX team, which has been overworked and underpaid for years already with Marvel, then and people have already gone out and spoken spoken out about that. Really, your function as a cinematographer or as or as a director is to get an image so that the VFX team can fix it in post. And there really yeah. isn't really there isn't much to do with that because if you if you can't get the ideas out on on set, then it's gonna show. It's gonna show later on. And when you from Ragnarok, you look at some some crapshoot like uh like uh. Thor: Love and Thunder, you basically see exactly what we have been talking about, with the problems with uh, green screen, the problems with you know not caring about the frame, not caring about the cinematography, all the quips, all the jokes. It's it's basically empty. It's all empty. It's all soulless. And yeah, I mean, I, I can go I on think and on. It has to do with that. Also, has to do a lot with I think they kind of shoot a lot of stuff first and then write later. They react. That is they, also they reactive, right? Which is not how you make a freaking movie that's two hours long. Yeah. But no, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Do they do that really? I mean, that's yeah. what, that's where I get. That's my impression is that they. Oh, this is kind of what we're gonna do. Let's go shoot some action sequences, and then we'll fi- we'll fill that. in we'll fill in the story later. You yeah yeah that 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 happens I think a lot in Marvel where they throw out the script and they end up improvising and that happens a lot with uh, Taika's work but when you take into into account what uh, Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise do with Mission Impossible I think since uh, Rogue Nation they do come up with the action scenes first and then they craft the story around the action scenes and so there are times when it works but and they that, pl- that, they plan it out first they plan it out first not yeah, on exactly. set exactly not on set. Whereas with Jackie Chan, they do it. They, they actually do come up with the action scenes on set. I think they cut. They have it differently uh, beforehand. They map it out, but then once they get on set, they're like, eh, actually, you know what? Let's change this up and let's change that up. And yeah, so you know, there are there are uh, you know examples. Uh, or there are instances where you know maybe that kind of idea can work, but 
you know, if if you do something the way Marvel does it, where it's all based on references and connective threads and quips and jokes and green screen, not really caring about what you're watching on, on film on set and leaving all of that work up to the VFX team and post, then you're going to have a pretty bad film and people don't realize that. So, you know, well, it's, it's, yeah part of the lost art and it's just it's just the way things have progressed and i think i agree with a lot of what you say um Mm -hmm. and of course i I think there are exceptions to that but that doesn't really matter for the sake of what we're talking about right Um, Right. you know um but yeah with the big country with weiler's direction you get this sense of and I've mentioned this before, I think, when we were doing the um, the Kevin Conroy tribute uh, in the yeah. Bat- Batman animated series. I keep bringing up negative space. It all this stuff in between people matters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's you don't get that with. I don't think you get that with the green screens. No, you don't. Um, no. It's 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 it, it's maybe not to the actor's fault. It's just the way that these things are filmed because yeah, you're 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 just losing in a way you're losing depth i think um and again even if you're told you can stand on that x or stand on that x or you know you know where you have to be it's still not enough to compensate for what for what you're actually losing physically oh i right it's possible that the i mean when you have a director like weiler behind you you're kind of confident but if as an actor or as anybody on the crew but i just think the directors nowadays really don't know how to direct i mean they they just yeah. go out there and just, oh, we're just going to do this, like, for no reason. Like, they don't know what why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's not just well, Marvel. Purpose, I mean, yeah. Well, so, like, for, like, with the old school, let's say there's purpose behind every little thing, um, right, as opposed to, as opposed to just going through the motions. Oh, yeah. I mean, Weiler, right. well, it's, it's also about just real-world experience, and they don't have that today, and Weiler had a crap ton of that. I mean... <laughs> He was <laughs> he was in World War Two. I mean, I think he had a he he's seen a lot of things, so he knows what to look for. And that's just when you don't have real world experience doing stuff like you're you're just going off of what you've seen what you've seen in other movies. That's not how it works. I mean, none of these yeah. directors back in the forty the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, whenever they weren't watching everybody else's movies and then saying, "Well, I'm going to do this in mine." Like that's no. that's not how it works. Right. They all learn. Right. They all learn by being assistant directors and by being, you know, whoever on the crew, um, working their way up. I mean, John Wayne was a freaking prop guy before he (laughs) got his starring role. I mean, Oh, he was a prop guy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was in prop. prop Yeah. He was in props and that's how he got his role in big trail. Uh, he just was in the right place at the right time. And back then that's amazing. Uh, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole different story, but I'm just saying like a lot of these guys have, real world real world experience and i mean when it comes to westerns in general most of the guys on the cast or at least on the crew or stuntmen or whoever i mean they're real cow a lot of them are real cowboys back in the day i mean not anymore but yeah speaking of reading about that yeah speaking of that one of them's one of them's in the uh chuck roberson is not only one of the terrell's like uh henchmen but he's also peck's uh What's it called? Yeah, stuntman on the 
during the Old Thunder breaking scene, which Old Thunder is referring to a horse. Uh, when yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so Chuck, oh, nice. he he was a real cowboy, real stunt man for years, and he was actually uh, John Wayne stunt man. So funny enough, that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> that is really awesome. That's cool. But uh, yeah, IMDb I think was wrong and said that Slim Pickens, which is another famous cowboy slash stuntman, character, character <laughs> cowboy. Yeah. yeah. I love, it, I love someone, the way he speaks. Yeah, somebody said that he was the he was the stuntman for Gregory Peck, but that's definitely incorrect. No, There's no that way was, that was wrong. Yeah, I read about that. I know I know Slim Pickens mainly from 2001 uh, Space Odyssey, um, but other than that, I think I've seen him somewhere. I just can't I can't put a name. Uh, not to it. not 2001. It's uh, Doctor Strangelove. Oh shoot! I'm so stupid. Yeah, no, it's Doctor Strange okay. Love. Oh my it's, gosh! Oh my god! No, no, no! It's cool. It's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't revoke your cinephile card. You're you're fine. Um, <laughs> you, you know, do you guys know how Slim Pickens got his name? Not to go like, <laughs> not to go crazy on Slim Pickens here. I've go crazy. This. Uh, yeah, go go for it, Chris. So I don't know whatever movie it was, but basically it was a there was a casting call, and he he was the last person to make it. He was Slim Pickens. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, <laughs> really, just yeah, it was like it was like down to him and one other guy, or I don't know if they had anybody left, and he was the last person, you know, there for the taking, and he got the role or whatever that he was going for, and then everything else just fell into place. So he's he, he and he just stuck with the name. He that was his that's that was amazing. his name. That's he's his name. he was Slim Pickens. That's funny. His real his real name is Louis Burton Lindley Jr. I don't think and that would work. No, it would not have worked. He went from that to Slim Pickens. Like I can't really think of him as anyone else but Slim Pickens. Kevin, you probably you probably remember him from the you just watched the getaway recently. He was in that. The getaway? Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The getaway. Not my favorite uh McQueen, but Or Peck yeah. and Paul. Or or Peck and Paul, really, yeah. But I mean, oh well. Maybe I'll like it someday. I think my favorite McQueen so far is uh The Great Escape which I think might be generic, but nah. that's a good one. You it's can go with whatever one, one you want, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I haven't seen much McQueen, but it's either between that, the getaway or bullet bullet was good too. Yeah, like bullet. Bullet. Good. I don't know. Yeah. Bullet's great, but, but I don't know the, the great escape. There's something about that. That's just, you know, something about the characters that there's, there's a charm to each character. There's a nuance to all of them, but we can go about that another day. Probably. There was a film that a friend of mine was talking about a week or two ago. Um, the Towering Inferno, I think it's called. Um, I, I think that one that has one. Steve McQueen. It has Paul Newman. I mean, the cast is stacked. I think um, Paul Newman. Wow. I yeah. think what's his name's in it? Uh, the guy who danced with Ginger Fred Astaire's in it. William Fred Astaire. Um, oh, with Ginger Rogers, right? Yeah. Yes, Fred Astaire was actually nominated for an Oscar in that movie. Believe it or not. So, oh no, it's way. Uh, um, it's a movie I need. I really need to see because it was talked up it was talked up for me and I, I, the cast seeing the cast, it's like, I, I have to watch this movie. <laughs> oh, all right. OJ Simpson's in that movie. What? <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It must be like <laughs> literally his first role out of the NFL, but. Uh, all right. Well, okay. so I just, I want to tie what we've been talking about together a little bit here. Um, going back to the green screens comparison, to today's Hollywood, to the old school Hollywood. Um, and I want to just, I want to talk about the, the one scene that happens before Steve Leach and Jim McKay throw down 
in the middle of mm-hmm. the night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene at the Terrell's ranch where Leech wants to fight McKay, right? This is how everything sort of starts, right? So Leech wants to fight McKay, and McKay's like, I'm not going to fight you, bro. <laughs> and uh, and Leech is like, he's in disbelief. He's like, what? What? And Carol Baker's there, and she's she's like not really sure what she's hearing yet. Um, but I want to talk about the scene because I talked to, I talked to Ben about it after I watched the movie and, um, it's a really great example and perfect moment of like this whole blocking thing because in how, and how the actors are just nailing their roles because you have, at one point you have Leech off to the left. You have Carol Baker, um, Pat Terrell in the middle. You have Gregory Peck to her other side. And then you have Leech's ranch hands over onto the right-hand side of the frame with the Terrell ranch behind them. And then as the scene, as right after McKay says, I'm not going to fight you, the scene sort of dissolves. Weiler takes the camera back. He does like a crane, he does like a crane shot. Like, he does like yeah. a crane shot. And and it's Leech is just slowly getting up from whatever position he was in. McKay is just sort of standing there, I think. And, and Pat... Uh, Pat Terrell uh, is just she's distraught like she's like looking at the ground and it, mm-hmm. the scene just unfolds beautifully yeah, like the majors, like everyone, yeah. the majors walking away the cow um, the Terrell guys are all in there like they're all in between their horses and walking back to like mm-hmm. wherever they're putting the horses away it, I mean going back yeah it's, it's easier yeah. it's hard to it's hard to describe it's easier to see and that's why you need to watch the movie. much easier to see <laughs> well it's, exactly, it, exactly. It, it, it's like it's like a puzzle sort of coming apart slowly in a way but and it's just like yeah. Every, yeah. everybody's are yeah. coming together yeah everybody's yeah, doing yeah. something in this one and it's deliberate yeah. it's, it's extremely deliberate yeah like don't get me it, wrong like I, I probably did not do it justice just now but it is no, no, it no. is a you, it's a subtle example of well you have that how you have the big house sorry, you have the big house in the back with all these people up front and it's mm-hmm. it's well and again they look small not as small as the fight that leech and mckay late have later that night but mm-hmm. they, they, they start to look small and everything just dissolves, you know, physically like the negative space matters. It's Pat Terrell or right. That's her name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. She's you just you see everything in her body and how disappointed she is. And Lee is even disappointed himself because he was like, oh, man, I was going to fight you. <laughs> yeah. <he's>, you know, <laughs> he's well, like, What's, yeah, he what am I going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> and McKay's just sort of st- I think McKay's even st- sort of sto- stoically standing there like all right what, what do I do like, this is awkward yeah like exactly. where well, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a great it's a wonderful moment and I just had to highlight that because we're talking I about agree. how all it's just it's the theme of the, this episode right now just talking about how in control Weiler is how even if the actors were frustrated how in control they are of what's going on uh, and how everything just comes together. The frame looks beautiful. I could just go on and on and on, just saying the same things over and over again, but really, totally really agree. well done. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, like also just like ties into, uh, you know, just the difference of mass, like the differences between like, you know, the East and West, like the kind of masculinity really, that they, you know. Really interesting how that they show. And it's interesting how this film I can't think of any other Westerns from the time off the top of my head, but it's interesting how this is like a East 
sort of informing the West yeah. mm-hmm. on what's going on here. When I think a lot of Westerns I've seen sort of do it the other way around mm-hmm. where it's not really the West teaching the East anything. It's just more of like, I don't know, the influence is swapped, I would say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would see, I would say there's, there's a little bit uh, with Liberty Valance, like where it's kind of mixed, but I, I get what you're saying where like the Eastern sensibilities are more prevalent than the Western, but um, there's always, yeah, that, well, there's I, always that yeah. there's, there's always that those heads budding because that's one of the biggest tropes in the, in the genres, <laughs> the, the, uh, civilization coming to the West. And now all these guys out there, they're allowed to do whatever they want and, you know, shoot somebody if they're, yeah. that's, well, that's, that's, yeah. that, that's going to end. So that's kind of this movie. I mean, it pisses me off because people are like, Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a revisionist Western. I'm like, no, no what are you guys talking about? Yeah. How's it a revisionist bring, Western? You know? Well, it's funny. I was going to bring that up and we just kind of smoothly segued into that. Um, yeah, I was, I was sort of surprised, honestly. I mean, again, I didn't read anything prior to watching this film. The only thing I knew is it was directed by Weiler and, um, a lot of reviews are, are, they mention how it's subverting the Western genre or how it's a revisionist Western. And I, I don't, it's not, it isn't. I mean, <laughs> to I, put it blamely. I, 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 I can see why maybe they might get that impression. But if you think about it, if you think about the movie as a whole, I think they're just Weiler and the other writers. Peck was a writer. There was a lot of writers on this thing. I think five or six, but, um, <laughs> I think they're just utilizing some of the tropes in in the genre to like kind of favor pacifism a little bit more than other. Well, to uh, favor pacifism and civility. But right? the thing I mean, is, was, but the, you get that a lot of westerns do that. Do that. The whole point That's of small. the whole the whole lesson learned after the after a western for a lot of them or is oh wow we just a lot of people killed each other and they they probably could have solved that without doing that. <laughs> That's that's an entirely great point. So and I, so again, when you say the word "ooh," it's it's a revisionist. When you say that word, it's a revisionist Western. People are just like, "Oh my god, spaghetti westerns! They're so good. Oh, no, oh they're just they're so much all. better than the classic." Hol- it's it's just a punchline. That's really, yeah. in my opinion, why people say that. It's it's an easy way just to be like, here we're gonna put you in this box, and that way we don't have to talk about you any much any more than to this, this level. Is, you're not you're you're not the, well similar similar to my Weiler complaint about how someone pigeonholed him for not having any style, and it's just like maybe people are just repeating off of what other people are saying. Well, you, you should go look. This was on let, this is on Letterbox, right? It was. Yeah, go um, go I look at remember. go look yeah. at that person's films and see if they've even watched other Wilder movies. Like they've watched one other one. Oh, they watched Ben Hur. Oh, so you're making a, a sweeping characterization of a director based off of two out of fifty yeah. films. Wow, good job, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. It was it was a while ago, so I'm not sure if I'd be able to find the person. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah, surely, surely the amount of westerns that person's seen would be slim chances. Yeah, slim, slim, slim chances. Slim but it, it, and it's not even yeah. not. It wouldn't even be a a western thing. It would probably be more like Ben was saying, like how many Wilder films they've seen, or right, right. 
Yeah. I mean, the big country, I mean, that would be, geez, that would not be a film at all that I would, the first, it would not be the, the, the first film I'd think of if someone said revisionist Western or revisionist Western. I mean, like, what would you, what, what, what would you call a revisionist Western? Like, but like the early Westerns that Clint Eastwood directed, uh, when he was, revisionist. Uh, director. I, I mean, you can go I mean, a lot, when, you when can you go earlier than that. You can go. Yeah. I mean, uh, you say revisionist. I, I think of what Ben was saying when with the spaghetti westerns. Not all of them yeah, are, the spaghetti but, westerns, but yeah. I mean, you have the spaghetti westerns, and then you have the red westerns, which were the um, westerns that were from the. I want to get this right. Eastern Europe, I mm, believe they oh, were filmed. Yeah. Okay. So, and they're called red westerns. I think they're also called. They might also be called Marxist westerns. I'm not sure if that's entirely yeah, true. Probably. Um, red usually yeah, mean, usually um, means commie. Yeah, so I, yeah, right. I, I I think of that. Um, I don't think this specific film is a part of that genre, but The Great Silence, um, which has Klaus Kinski in it. Yeah, that's, um, that's I'm a, pretty sure. Yeah, that's a revisionist. I'm pretty sure one. that's a that's a heavily favored revisionist, and all, I, all I the, even like that one. All the film bros like it. it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course I mean, they would, when right? I, when I saw it years ago, I did like it. I, I haven't I seen hate it, it since. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not surprised that you do. I, I just remember that I, I really liked it the first time I saw it. Not to say I don't like some revisionist Westerns, but I mean, you could say Peck and Paul's, uh, Wild Bunch. bunch. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like, I like all the Clint Eastwood fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, good, bad, and the ugly. They're all revisionist, but they're not like. My problem with the the spaghetti westerns is they're just so damn nihilistic, and it, it's totally different than the American. It's a very different. The American yeah, westerns totally are not, so that's yeah. the disconnect. Yeah. I agree with. I I can get behind that. I, I was thinking. Uh, so the one revisionist western that I have seen, uh, apart from the ones that we've mentioned, uh, El Topo, Jodorowsky's El Topo, oh, and I man. saw I I saw that for the first time in college. It was a it was part of like my buddy had this thing called Cinema Club, and we would every week we'd get together and watch movies in the uh, university movie theater. And one of my buddies chose El Topo. We'd ha- I had no idea what the hell that was, and I hated every single minute of that film. I so, share your pain. Yeah, I share your yeah, pain. I, I just I just saw that movie a few months ago. Oh boy! Absolutely, oh, I think I saw absolutely yeah. hated it. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Thank it's God I never watched it. Completely yeah, nihilistic. Completely you don't cynical. Need, oh, I know. You don't, you don't need, to. need to. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, Ben doesn't need to watch that. Don't succumb. Your, don't. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be. I can't. I can't even give it like proper credit for anything. Yeah. It's just. It's so random and. Isn't it like very a surreal? Isn't a quote unquote acid western? Yeah, it's an acid yes. western. Yes. I I just I just completely dislike Jodorowsky's uh, philosophy. It's a very cynical philosophy. It it bashes on uh, Catholicism, Christianity. It it it's just a really really uh, like heavily symbolic film that. Well, it's symbolic, but it's yet. like it's symbolic in ways, but it's like there it's it's empty symbols. Really, exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah, that's what it. Yeah. That's it's what it, that's what it is. You're watching. You're watching a movie filled with emptiness. So if I thought it was if the, you like yeah, it, thought... you know, <laughs> if you like that sort of thing, then by all means. I mean, sure, you could probably take all of these different kinds of readings of what people have of what certain things mean in the movie. But uh-huh. I just took I just took away 
that it was sort of just um what's the word i'm looking for taking shots at the western genre and yeah well you know without without saying anything beyond taking shots at the western genre well, you that, know? that just so. sounds like it it literally just sounds it, it's low and I was, sorry yeah no no it's fine i i was cutting you off there but it, it it's it sounds like it's low effort and I, it it might be and i was trying to be generous by saying that if you like surrealist film you might be able to find an appreciation there for it outside of i mean cuz surrealism is is just exactly what we're talking about with having symbols that might that may or may not mean something but uh, mm-hmm. I'm a director. Right. I'm going to throw all these different objects onto the screen and people are going to just think they mean all this blah, blah, blah. And it's so much deeper exactly. than it actually is. Bah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and, right. and then you can make the argument as to, you know, what is surrealism and then all that, and you can get really deep into it and, and, and whatever. But that's, I agree with Kevin. It's, you don't want to see El Topo. It is no. great example, by the way, that's a great example of a revisionist. Yeah, Western. like a yeah. heavy, heavy revisionist Western just pretty much hates everything. Uh, yes, yes. You know, that's what that's what that's what it is. And I think uh, I don't know. I might be wrong about this, but I think Jodorowsky like was he close to raping one of the actresses on screen in that film? Or no, I know there was no, a. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. There's he there's, did did he did he really? Yeah, I don't he know. Actually if, did. I don't. I I think I think the answer is yes but you need oh. to read what happened in the trivia because oh, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, I um, see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you I know what I mean? That. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. What you mean. But, yeah. but I'm pretty sure what he did was very, yeah. Oh, I, I, well, yeah. see, you know what? Now it's coming back to me. I think I read on that and he said that he did do it at the time. And then like mm-hmm. 30 years later, he came out and said that it was just a, uh, it oh, was just a stunt. Publicity stunt. Oh, watch my movie. Yes. Yes, yes. So who I, I don't know if it's true or not. Isn't it convenient after uh at what's that called again? Um blanking on the, the, the lawyer term when it's past oh. the limit. Uh what's the... I know exactly what you're talking about and I can't think of that na- Stat- what, what that's statutory statutory, statutory uh, limit, no 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 limit of <laughs> statutory Oh no uh, okay. What is it called? The limit Oh we gotta look this up. My I heard oh, the my, my one for my one and I immediately <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah you my, my one my one uh, lawyer friend, if he's listening to this, would be like, "You freaking idiot!" <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I feel pretty dumb not knowing it either right now. Yeah, I don't. Statute of limitations. I, I there you go. That's there what you go. Statute of limitations. Statute. That's what it is. Okay. That's right when Ben wow. said statutory, I'm like, Dude. oh wait, not statutory <laughs> rape. Oh gosh. I was close. Yeah, that's what it is. That, that's what it is. Statute. I got mush brain, man. Statute. I watch too many movies. Well, and that's what happens. Like we're recording late at night too, and we're all just like, right. yeah, yeah, right, right. But to go, oh, yeah. let's uh, let's go El to Topo, a not worth it. let's go to a more positive uh, note, and Kevin will like this one. So, the Big Country was actually based off a novel written by Donald Hamilton um, called Am- "Ambush at Blanco Canyon," and that that guy also wrote another movie called or another book called "Smoky Valley," which was made into a movie. Called The Violent Men, starring Glenn Ford, Barbara, oh, so good, Barbara oh. Stanwyck, and Ed Edward G. Robinson. 
Very oh good. Let me see if that. Let me see if that's already on my list. Hang on. Watch What's it, it called Kevin. again? It's called the the Violent Men. The yep. Violent Men. Kevin, right. I mentioned this to you a yeah. few weeks ago. I I, I I know I did because that's got, right. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. I it's did. in my watch list. It's in my watch yes. list. I got it. Yes. Oh well, thanks guys. I, All right. I only gave it three and a half, but three and a half is still like, I think, really great. Um, and you made, you, uh, made, you made a seven out of ten. <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly yeah. three and a half stars we're, um, out of five three and a half stars seven out of ten yeah yeah great film oh god it's actually probably my favorite edward g robinson role really i i think favorite so no, no no spoilers <laughs> no no yeah no spoilers i i'm gonna stop I, uh, there. is it online is it a free online somewhere i saw it on i, I saw Kevin, that i can get it to you okay please do because well, i am funny. in need of another barbara stand with you, please so it's funny because i mentioned the criterion did that um western noir collection a few years back and uh, uh both station west and the violent men were a part of that collection so i meant you know oh, we talked about the station west briefly earlier so yeah, yeah that's kind of, interesting. Kind of funny that we're i don't really think yeah it, i don't yeah. think it's really a noir movie but that's fine <laughs> It's probably they probably just threw it in there just because Edward G. Robinson and Barbara Stanwyck are, are yeah, in. Yeah, I know, literally. <laughs> but like, but uh, okay, yeah. I'll well, watch all Barbara Stanwyck films. <laughs> so. I I kind of I I kind of see where they were coming from though because when you get into the nitty gritty of the movie, it's I mean I guess a lot of westerns were like battling ranch hands, which yeah. is sort of what that movie is. But when you got those two in it things get a little steamy sort of, mm, you know, nice tensions rise. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, it, right. it's, it's wow. directed by Rudolph um, Mate, Mate and he, yeah, he, uh, d- he directed a few like DOA. He did uh, 1949. It's another nor. Okay. He, he's, he's, noir, yeah. he's done a, a few that I've, I've actually not seen, but they're on my list, but he's, I think he did a few of them and then he immediately went and just made like, 15 20 westerns <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. nice violent oh, i actually right. just watched one by him the other day the rawhide years which was it was average but that's with uh tony curtis arthur nice. arthur kennedy another very uh big western character actor um actually maybe not western just character actor in general but arthur kennedy he was in is he the one who's in rancho notorious have you guys seen that one Mm, I haven't seen that one. Yes, he, We're just from, he, he is in that. Yes, I like Rancho Notorious. That's by Fritz Lang. Really? Okay. Oh, Fritz Lang. Oh, yes. wait, Marlene Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich. Yes. In this one. Oh boy. Yes. Very, very <laughs> lusty and sinful, Marlena Dietrich. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the woman Add that who one to your watch list. Pretty much enticed all right. maybe uh, all of all of Hollywood into her bedroom, probably. Who? <laughs> Marlena Dietrich. Marlene. Yeah. yeah, like the, she was. She like, was known like, for being a world class, you know, whore. Sorry, I mean, she, yeah, she was a femme fatale yeah, for real in real yeah. life and oh, on the yeah. screen. Pretty much, yeah. Jeez, she got Fritz John. Lane. She got John Wayne. She got. Uh, she she got Gary Cooper and she got James Stewart. Oh, nice innocent Jimmy Stewart. Really? My goodness. She got James. <laughs> James Stewart. She got James. My goodness. She got he the boy fell. next door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This woman, Fritz um, Lang. I think I think I've only seen one Fritz Lang film. Um, but Metropolis. Yeah. Or or M. I, oh, uh, M. I I saw M. Yeah. 
Um, Metropolis, yeah. I've been meaning to see. I, I can't wait to. I think Metropolis is by Lang. Yeah, my, uh, that's am Lang. I mistaking that's that? Lang. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, you're you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's Lang. Rancho Notorious, yeah. though. I'll, I'll add that to the watch list as well. That one's that one's interesting. Uh, Rancho Notorious is because it's. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of these if you dig them up, but it's a western directed from the eyes of a European director um hey so like that part that part of it's pretty interesting weiler was hey weiler's european is he i thought he was american i think Uh, he he's uh he's from austria yeah he's from austria but i I, well look at that yeah i I think again i think he he definitely was more american than european but right there's a there's a lot of those directors that came over in their 20s and basically assimilated well, Billy Wilder, Wilder was another one. Um, yeah, I didn't know that about a, a Wilder. So, thanks. Uh, I, I stand corrected there. Yeah, I'll add I'll add that to my my list though. I, yeah, Dietrich yeah. Dietrich is great in that, and she's she looks great in that movie too. And I think she's I think she's on the other side of fifty on that one. Really? Yeah. My yeah. goodness. Did wow, she die? Did she die yeah. young? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'm guessing yes. Could be see. a good guess. Marlena Dietrich. No, she was old. Really? 90. 90. Ooh. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> well, there's a lot There's busy. a lot of them that you see, just look up these like really attractive women in like 40s and 50s movies, and it's like, oh, yeah, they died at like 55. Like, what? Breast, right. can- breast cancer, throat cancer, all the cancers. Lung, uh, can- lung cancer, basically. Yeah, drink, all the smoking back in the day. Smoking, you know, drink, all the drinking, smoking. Dr- drinking yeah. themselves to death. No, whatever. Crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, I think William Holden purposely uh, drank himself into a stupor because he wanted to look older on screen. If I'm not mistaken, someone told me that. Um, I mean, if you're mind. already an old looking and you drink a lot and it makes your face yeah. all like bloated and stuff, maybe. Yeah, I know. You look at people who are like in their 30s around that time and they look way older than 30. <laughs> I, Road hard. That's a, 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 a perception I have a lot when I'm watching like a, a movie. When I was a kid, I'd be like, oh yeah, that person like holy crap, they look really old. They look like 40. And then you like look it up. It's like, yeah, they were 27. Like what? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> How? It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah, amazing. You look it up, you look it up and, and all of a sudden you're older than what their characters. Oh my. To be. Don't do that. Exactly. Don't do that to me, bro. I, then, still get caught like, at, I still get caught at bars. I mean like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well I'll take that. <laughs> I don't, get, I don't like have that. that. I don't have that problem. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, uh, interesting. we, we got anything else we want to say about the big country guys? Um, yes. One. I'm sure Ben has a million things. Yeah. Okay, I, have a lot. I have a few things yeah. I want to say go specifically. Off. We forgot to mention Alfonso Bedoya as the ranch hand, oh, the Mexican ranch yes. hand that befriends, oh, of course. befriends of course. McKay, um, AKA Gregory Peck. But yeah, he's, he actually, this was his last screen credit because he died a month after filming stopped. Uh, I was oh say, no way! Because like, what 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 happened? Was it just was it? Again, I think cancer, he just had, or... I think he just had a heart attack. And he just like had a heart attack. Oh, Mexican okay. Mexican actor found in a hotel, and I don't think they said like, oh, he drank, he got drunk, or did drugs heart or anything. Attack. I think yeah. it was just a heart right. attack. It's a heart but attack. But way to go out. He, he's yeah. famous for the uh, "We don't need no stinking badges" uh, line from, from uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's oh, where I first guys. known you from. Treasure of the Sierra Madre is also a I great. Still to, uh, I still have to so. see that one. That's a uh, that's a gaping that's a gaping hole in my in my cinephile. Uh, in your, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> whatever, a, you, whatever uh, you want to call it. In your docket, in your cinephile docket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to my in my opinion, or actually in my expert opinion, <laughs> I, I I it's it's right on the the cusp of not being a western, but I consider it a western. Right, I, I think I, I remember reading that. Uh, yeah, in, in your it, it's like yeah. one. It ha- it occurs in Mexico, and it's like late or early 1900s. But I think it's like close to 1920, and there might be a car mm. in the movie. But Mexico, at the time, <laughs> Mexico at the time was still kind of 20 years behind the U.S. So right, right. Um, I remember but, reading about that too, and from your review. But yeah, that's uh. I, re- I recommend watching that. Some people say, or when I say some people, like one or two people I've heard throughout the years were like, that's their favorite movie of all time. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's pretty a, it's solid. I don't think it's yeah, the best it's movie film. in the world, but it's definitely, I, from my memory, I think I gave it an eight out of 10, whatever that means. It might be my favorite uh, Houston flick, uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I haven't seen, I haven't seen many of his. But yeah, I mean, like he did Maltese Falcon. He did uh, the man who would be king. Uh, but from what I've seen, what I've seen, um, the the minimal uh, films that I've seen from him, I think Treasure of the Sierra Madre is the one that uh, it has a soul to it. I think, it, I think that, that that's it's pretty po- it's pretty it's one. pretty poetic and actually might be a yeah. good double feature for like it and big country together. I think the. Yeah, the the outcome in that is semi similar and and pretty related to what happens here. Um, that's yeah, that's a good I had cool. a couple other just random little trivia facts. I listened to on the radio. There was a on YouTube. There was a radio recording with Gene Simmons when she was you know early two thousands. So she was probably in her eighties before she died. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just listening to it, and it was you know. I think she brought up how she didn't like Weiler and she didn't talk bad about <laughs> directors, but just because of the way he directed. But another funny thing, since we liked, since it sounds like all three of us liked Burl Ives, um, she said that like on the set, he would just like, since he was a singer, he would just like start singing like quote unquote dirty limericks uh, like, <laughs> before shooting. Like, can you imagine being on a set with like Burl Ives just like starting to sing like these little poetic songs and they're, Dirty, dirty. I mean, for f- dirty to a you know an elderly lady who grew up in like the forties and fifties. I don't know what that really means. I doubt it was like super curse words, but still, it's pretty <laughs> probably, funny. Probably not as bad as what we have nowadays. No, but you know, but, but but still. Yeah, uh, imagine yeah, those on TikTok. On the, those on TikTok versus. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Imagine having to listen to Brawl Ives sing uh, sing stuff like that to you, and then the next uh, the next few minutes uh, you're you're going to have to shoot a pretty dramatic scene. It's like, okay, how do you, how do you switch off that mentality? (laughs) And and you guys are actually making me think of, you guys are reminding me now all of a sudden, like we haven't even talked about Burl Ives and Chuck Connors and their relationship together in the movie. Oh, I did. I did want to bring up Chuck Connors before you, before you go into your relationship talk, which I do want to hear Chuck Connors actually, you know, big guy, I think he was like six five. So, yes, um, he was a big guy, and he was yeah. a, he was actually a, he he was played in the MLB, and he got into acting after he retired from baseball, 
Um, that's what my mom told me. That's, yeah. And, and so like, because of this movie, his, his role in this movie, he got the rifleman, uh, which was a long running Western TV show. show. Oh, yep. no way. Yeah. Sam yeah, Peckinpah created mom... the rifleman. Yeah. Oh, nice. wow. I didn't, wow. did not know that. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I've only seen like two episodes and it's been probably 15 years, but I, I think it's probably one of the more solid West. It probably holds up versus other Western TV shows. Speaking oh, speaking right. of Western TV shows, I really want to get back. I really want to buy it, but it's too expensive. Is Wild Wild West, which is like the James Bondy kind of gadgety TV uh, show. It's you know the Wild Wild West movie oh. with with Will Smith. Yes. It's a remake of that, which yeah. it's terrible, oh. terrible movie. But <laughs> uh, all right, so that's enough on that's enough on that. Um, so Chuck Connors and Burl Ives, go Chris. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I wanted to talk about this with you guys because this is an it's another tremendous moment in the movie where like all these character arcs are starting to collide where previous, you know, hour or 90 minutes we've just seen Chuck Connors be a ragtag fella in the group and Julie Maragon played by Gene Simmons is over at their ranch because now things have started to come together. They think that they actually have just spoken to her about uh, signing over the deed for the big muddy. And, uh, you know, things start, start to fall apart. So now there's Chuck Connors there, Julie Maragon's at their place. And, and then Pa Hennessy, you start to see another side of his character here, where I think we were started, we started to get hints of his character previously. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you see this other side of, of Rufus Hennessy here. And you get a taste of what their relationship is like, how he how he has a vile distaste for his son, even though he and his son are similar in how they present themselves. You you wanted but, me, you wanted me, Pa, before you were yeah. born. I did. <laughs> yeah, I love like, that. I, like like they present themselves similarly, but mm-hmm. they're very different men almost. Yeah. Like right. underneath it all, like. You don't you don't realize this until the last third of the film that Rufus Hennessy is a guy that he has this really prolific past because he knows how to use a gentleman's pistol. He knows how to um, he knows all of the ongoings behind signing deeds and stuff. And Chuck Connors is just sort of this boy who grew up under his father's reign and never really never really expanded himself. He probably, didn't have, he probably didn't have a great father. Well, and that's that's in terms that's of in terms of the, in terms of mentoring. Well, that's mm-hmm. the crazy thing about this relationship. Like you have these two guys that are supposed to love each other, and and they I guess they do, but they don't show it. They don't show it, and and yeah. the way everything and the way it just the way it comes together is, man, it, it was gut, it was gut wrenching, and the scene right. that I was trying to talk about too is when julie maragon is there and then chuck connors starts to get this really you know nasty idea in his head and he sneaks into her bedroom that whole scene when you know shit rufus starts to go in. down rufus yeah. comes in and he and he you know he throws him out and then chuck connors comes back around and he starts to choke him out and yeah. then he holds him off and chuck uh, connors just, was much bigger than him much yeah, bigger than burl lives and burl yeah. still still gets the best of him that's the kind of man I mean, he was. I mean, what what a what a moment! I think I've said this like a million times already in this episode, but 
um, just the way that the, the, the lighting here was great. Right. Mm-hmm. It's everything's a little bit more claustrophobic. It's got right. a lot of shadows. You got a light coming in from the doorway. A um, lot of aggression. One of these and days that, I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's, a very, it's a very sinister, uh, very sinister vibe. Was, yeah. It's a whole other side of this character where Rufus Hennessy, previous to this, we've seen Rufus Hennessy have problems with Major Terrell, who's someone who's not part of his family. And then all of a sudden, he's even he's he's nastier to the to, to his own son yeah. right and yeah it's it's a and, great and the music ramps yeah, up right music there. music ramps up right there and this prefaces the whole thing that ends up happening in the in the finale but mm-hmm. um which is you know with 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 the, you know, with, the, too. Yeah, with the shootout with the gentleman's pistol Yes. You know, so. Oh, speaking I mean, of that, be- speaking of that, I love when Gregory Peck's like, I'll clean them and load them for you. And he's like, teach your grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I've been yes. doing I've been doing this before you were born. I love that. Oh, yeah, he has that so great. many great quotes. Yeah. He's got a great, got a lot of great lines. A lot of great lines. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add to that. Well, I mean, just uh, that what I just said as an example, like growing up watching yeah. this as like a 10 to 11, to let 12 year old, like all those little nuances you just don't get. Like, I don't know what the hell te- you know, teach your grandmother to suck <laughs> eggs. I don't even know what that means <laughs> when I'm a little kid, but that yeah. means like the implications of that is like, you're going to teach your grandmother something that she knows how to do since she was, you know, five years old. Like, right. It's right. just, right. it's just funny, but <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, just the, the, the dialogue is freaking excellent i mean it's really good it's burl lives burl lives is amazing yeah, yeah. It, it turns he steals it turns the cu- scene he steals, steals the, the scene, scene. I, I, I think he's the mvp of the entire film pretty much i mean you know it, turns- his entrance into into the uh party into, into the party yeah just like the way that's shot where he it's shot from behind you you just see him peer through the window and then open the doors and then comes in with his, uh, I'm sure that's a Winchester rifle. And no, it, was a shot, it was a shotgun. It was a, it was a shotgun. Okay. So, but just, yeah, I mean, he steals the scene. It's and you're, 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 mean, the anticipation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like 30 minutes into the movie and people going to this movie in theaters or seeing it for the first time. And, you know, a few years after it came out, whatever, like they all knew who Burl Ives was and he's probably what fifth billing, sixth billing. It's probably fifth, yeah. yeah. Right after uh, Heston, I think, from my memory is correct. Like you got to be like, right. "Where's Where's Burl Ives? Where's Where's Burl Ives?" Like it's been yes. twenty minutes, and that's his entrance. It's, I mean, yeah, it's that's great. His entrance. Yeah, it's just that's yeah. like a fantastic role to uh, to have in a film. I mean, that this you know, <laughs> it's you, you can't forget. It's just unforgettable. It's unforgettable. Everything he does, everything he, I don't know. But we can what, go on what, and on. Well, we we could go on and on. And what I think. What I think makes the performance stand out is is how his character flips at the end, and he and he sort of flips, he sort of flips twice because you get that he's a rough and gruff dude, but then like when he has this confrontation with his son, the, you know the the one in the in the bedroom, and then the one with the gentleman's pistol. When he has those two confrontations, he shows another side of him where you know he he. I mean, I guess he's the man of his word, right? When he says that he's going to actually kill him one day, he do- he does, and then he does, and then there's then it flips again when he learns from Jim McKay that this is a fight between him and Terrell, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, Burl um, Ives' character, I think, is honestly more honorable than uh, Major Terrell. 
I mean, they're both right. Yeah, yes, they're both that's very true. They're both principled men. But if you think about it, uh, Major Terrell obviously worked for the army, uh, probably killed a lot of Indians before he got his property and probably did mm-hmm. it in, in cold blood. And Rufus right. obviously is pretty mm-hmm. principled, but he does the right thing in the end because he knew it was the right thing to do. Right. Um, it's amazing because Rufus uh, Burl Lives' character goes through he he grows so much within such small time frame and it's just amazing to see yes yeah so it's yes and it, uh, and it's it's a combination of of the growth and it's a combination of the growth and then just what we see with his relationship with his son it's it's it becomes it becomes dynamic mm-hmm. you know um definitely cuz because in in the, just a few scenes, you get the fact that he Burl Ives knows all this gentleman stuff, right? That he clearly doesn't look like he knows, right? And then and then he and then he kills his son because he's not following gentleman protocol. Yeah, yeah, right. right, right so right. it's I think there's a lot of interesting things working here, and yeah, I mean it's a it's a well deserved Oscar role, and um, I don't know like. I would put it between him and uh, Gregory Peck as as the best performances in a in a cast of, of all top tier performances. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. I, I mean, well, honestly, I, I think uh, we're coming into the two hour mark, so I'm probably going to cut it soon. But I do want to mention this because I think it's significant to this conversation and well, a lot of the stuff we said. But this movie's pretty long. It's two hours and like forty five minutes of about around right. somewhere around there. And actually, at the end of the movie, or sorry, at the end of shooting, uh, Weiler delivered a four-hour cut, and they cut it down to two hours and forty-five minutes. So I wish we could oh, see that. Fo- I, so I wish we could see the footage of all the other all the other scenes that we're never going to get to see because those are long gone. Oh, don't the, tell me that. Yeah, they're long. Man. I mean, I mean, <laughs> one if they weren't burnt up or if they weren't burnt up or destroyed. Because of some, you know, studio fire, bad storage, like someone just threw them out. Honestly, like the all those negatives, but yeah, just imagine, just imagine that they shot all these things, and this is what we got out of it, and uh, with with a troubled production and everything else, with everything else, the way it happened, you wouldn't know by watching the movie and not, not looking into anything, just watch the movie from start to finish and never look into it. You'd think like, Oh, this was planned that way. It just turned out to be excellent. Like, no, it was just a, and okay, I had, it's, I had, a it's a miracle. I had, I had yeah, yeah. I had no idea there was trouble productions until you told me not to look at the trivia. And yeah. then <laughs> I, I was, I was blown away, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah it was shocking. The, I mean, the production trouble doesn't surprise me. And, there's a whole big, uh, we can't go into it just because of the lack of time, but there's a whole story about, you know, they, Weiler and Peck worked on Roman holiday together and we're like, Hey, that was a great shoot. You know, we love working with each other. We're, we're the best <laughs> of friends. Time. Yeah. yeah. And it took four or five years, but then they're like, let's make our own movie. And they, mm-hmm. they started a production company actually called Anthony productions named after Peck's first son, which, uh, another t- <laughs> trivia, all of his son's, or actually maybe all of his kids, I think just sons, are in the first uh, opening scene at, when he comes to town. So yeah. his kids are in the That's movie. That's right, yeah. Um, the ones oh, who make cool. fun of him with his hat but and ba- everything. But basically they're like, hey, we're going to make this movie. And then, boom, they hate each other. for. Well, I don't think they hate each other. I think there's just really 
full of pride and wouldn't talk to each other. And then I think Weiler got like a some some award at some three or four years later, he got maybe an AFI Lifetime Achievement Award or something. And Peck came up to him and they shook hands and made up. Uh, and they then, up. And then never... Weiler said, I- I'm never, uh, by the way, I'm still never going to reshoot that scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He wouldn't let it go. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, they, they yeah. did. They did keep their word. They would never make a film together again. Yeah, they never did. That, 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 that's the sad thing about it. It's like, oh it's, well, you know. It's sad, but I am so beyond grateful that this movie is a thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, like, like if it meant for them never to work together again, I'm, I, I honestly, I'm okay with that because I, I am already like, I know if I don't get this movie for Christmas. <laughs> I am. I am going to buy it immediately. Uh, and I am going I was, to watch it multiple times. I was going to say one of the last things I was going to say uh, during this recording is right now on Kino Lorber's website, it's it's going for ten bucks. Ten bucks on Kino Lorber. Oh, it's even cheaper than when you showed me before. Yeah, I'll link it in our chat. Um, yeah. And the best part about it is it comes with the sixty-minute documentary on Weiler. So I think it's a yeah, great, what, which I've seen, and I think it's. It automatically makes it like a crucial buy. I I already know I want it because I definitely want to watch that <laughs> documentary. I definitely need to own and, this. Oh, movie. I'll sell it to you even more, Chris. The okay. The the um the slip cover for the the Blu-ray, you can reverse it and make it the Saul Bass slip cover. <laughs> oh yes. So there you go. <laughs> All right. The trifecta. It comes with a lot I'm of gonna... other there's a lot of other interviews. The the, the extras are great and it, for that price, I mean, it's killer. Oh, ten bucks! Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to have a physical media collection. I do have one. It's very small. Um, very small. But I, I, and I, I are like racking up our shelves. We're right? addicted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're kind of addicted. Yeah, I. Uh, Benary- which is cool. Which is cool. I envy you guys a little bit, but I, <laughs> I, I don't really have a media collection, and I very, I like, I just got my first Criterion like a few months ago. Which, oh, which was Criterion? Yeah, uh, I got I got the Decalogue series, which is oh, right. okay, okay, Kieslowski. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so, yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that a few months ago. So and then I I had to buy it. I had to buy it. So um, <laughs> that was my first Criterion. Now this movie came in. I have to buy this movie. Um, You're have to. So you know, like I pick and choose stuff, and this is like these these two things are like the most media I've bought in. I've I've actually purchased physical media in a few years, so um, okay. yeah, I, I, mean, I just want to I'm, I'm going to thank you, Ben, for introducing this movie into my life, even though my mom has known about it and never showed me. Come on, Chris's mom, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, come on, come yeah. on, mom. And yeah, thank you, thank you, Ben, for handing me your regular copy of the yeah, Blu-ray. I, I think I've, I'm like tempted to get the uh, the uh, honestly, Kino it'd be a great. It'd be a great upgrade for Edition. ten for ten bucks. I mean, for ten bucks, yeah, that's like not bad at all. Um, I'll take that. I, I love that. I love this uh, this poster too. The yeah, the one from Kino Lover is pretty good with all the characters, but on the it, front, I like that too. But I, I would I would flip it. Yeah, naturally, I I already did. Show. I already did mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, good man. Right now. Uh, well, I don't know when we're releasing this since we're recording all our episodes. Well, not all of them. We're recording a bunch before we actually start releasing the podcast. But right now, right. it's you can watch the movie on Amazon Prime, which I think that's how you watched it, Chris. That is correct. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So yes. I, I I really wish we could talk more, but it's getting late here, and I, I gotta get to get to work early in the morning. But uh, 
I think we're gonna yeah. we're gonna cut it there. Two hours is pretty oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watch the big country, right, everybody. Yeah. Big country, highly totally worth it. Yeah, highly recommended. Uh, and I'm glad. Well, one la- last thing we'll say. What do you guys rate it? Even though I already know. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Yep. Yes, five stars. Yeah, all the way. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and in my opinion, the second best western of all time. So. I think when I watch this for the second time, I think it's going to make my, I think it's going to shoot up to my top 15 list and it it might become my favorite Western. Oh yeah. All right. Look at that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Lo- you love yeah. to see it. You love to see it. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. I don't call me a convert yet, but I think I'm there. I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> He's getting there. Yeah. All right. Well, well all right guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Good night. to the searchers podcast if you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies you can find us on letterboxd ben at giant 13 chris at ziglet underscore mer and me at kevin chan find us on spotify and apple podcasts and on searchers film until next time people <laughs> <laughs>